0: To collapse, town and into now, respectively. That is, this is are you talking REM? Remi, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things REM. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Hello, welcome to the show. Welcome back to our old listeners, and welcome front to our new listeners. Hey, Adam? Adam, what's what's going on with your breathing? Did you think that was uh, Darth Vader? I thought it was Darth Vader, and then I turned... And I saw someone even uglier than a than an Anakin super, Skywalker who went villain. into the the the, the uh, what did he go into fire pits or something? I only saw that movie one time. A pit of fire, yeah. It was a pit of fire. Yeah. What did he jump in it or did someone he push him in? He jumped it? in. He jumped in. He was on a pogo stick and he jumped into the pit of fire at the what end. A terrible. Of, uh, those prequels. I know. I mean, they were terrible while you're watching them and just hearing you describe them. I mean, Darth Vader on a pogo stick. It doesn't make any sense. It's like doink, good <laughs> doink, good doink. Bye bye. And he said bye bye as he went in. Bye (laughs) bye. Awful. Just Uh, awful. And that was the best of the three. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. It was really good. Uh, Wait a minute. Is this an episode of I Love Films? I think it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome to I Love Films. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And look. We love films. There's, I don't know how else to say this. I got to tell we you, we love films. I love films. I mean, it's simple. It's a simple equation. I plus love equals films. Films, films, films. And, you know, I'm not talking about blockbusters. Sure, okay. we're not talking about the Star Wars movies. No, I'm not except in this case, we're talking. We about were Star talking Wars. about the Star Wars movie, but. Pretty much, we're only talking about like like Reds. 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 Is a film. Warren Beatty. Yeah. Can you say it? Can you pronounce it? Because that's uh, who it is. Yeah. Truffaut. Truff- of course, Truffaut. All the, Truffaut. the great Truffaut, Truffaut. filmmakers. Truffan. Truffan is a terrific filmmaker. Trolls. Trolls are wonderful filmmakers. <laughs> I mean, the movie trolls. And it's a great film. I love films. I love films so much. I I gotta be honest. If I could fuck a film, take it easy. I would fuck a film. Take Scott, I know the canisters that films come in have like holes in the middle, but it's not it's not it's not good for you. It's not good for the films and it's just not good for the world. But I would do it. That's I'm saying I can't. I okay. would I would fuck a film if I could. Oh I my love God. them. I love films so much. Ugh, okay. Great. What what film would I mean, look, there's got to be a film out there that you would fuck. I mean, look, I don't approve of this conversation. I don't condone this conversation, but if I had to if I had to, mm-hmm. it would probably be uh, 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 Revenge of the Nerds 3. <laughs> That's a good looking film. It's just as a film. I don't know film- if you've seen it in its canisters lying around. At it's the a cinema. C- right. Yeah. Of course I have. It's gorgeous. Anytime I go see a film at a repertory theater, like Revenge of the Nerds Part 3, yes. I'll go well, several hours before showtime yep. and I'll say, Projectionist! Yeah. Allow me into your booth, oh, projection or. and then I just look at those cans. Uh, you gotta take a, just gotta those take sweet a look. Canisters. And you know what else you have to do? You have to take a whiff. That's a film. Ah, uh, film. Sell you, Lloyd. Well, look. I think the moral of this story is we love films. Y- yeah, I hope that's what the moral is. I that think I that's I the takeaway. That's the takeaway is that we love films. Love films. films. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. That was a weird one. Hmm. It went in a weird direction. I don't think the one host knew how to pronounce that director's name that he's only read. What Trafot? Traf- <laughs> I will say just now on the table here, the famous uh, Earwolf table, Chelsea put her name. She wrote... Chelsea Peretti. Chelsea Peretti wrote her name here. And I wrote a little, a little message to her. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, she may be back soon. Chelsea, speaking of films, married to one of the great filmmakers of the modern era. He makes films as far as I'm concerned. As, As far as I'm concerned, he's never made a movie. Not even no. Not, not even, even one. Not even not close. Not even close. No. He turns it in, and people are like, "This is not a movie." Yeah. Didn't we hire you to direct a movie? The film studio, the guy, the man behind the desk is like, "Let's see your film, see." And and uh, and he comes in and turns it in. He's like, "You got your movie there." Just walks out. Doesn't even say a word. So
1: first he says... <laughs> <You> <laughs> I kind of fucked it film. up
0: at the very beginning. <laughs> well, speaking of fucking it up at the very beginning, <laughs> this is the very beginning of uh, a very special episode oh, man. for us. Uh, by the way, you got to introduce ourselves. I'm, of, of course, Scott Ackerman of the Comedy Bang Bang podcast and television show, uh, creator of Between Two Ferns, uh, two-time Emmy winner. And uh, across from me is... um, It's just me. It's just Adam Scott. No Emmys. Um, I do want to hype what we have going on this show. Is that okay? Yeah. Just so people know they can, like, adjust their expectations of what we're talking about. This is, of course, Are You Talking R.E.M., Remi, The comprehensive end encyclopedia compendium of all things R.E.M. We've gone over every single R.E.M. album. We've gone over every single R.E.M. B-side. We've gone over every single R.E.M. uh, fan club track that they released to their fan club. Well, and then we ended the show. That was it. That was it. That was all we were going to do. And then uh, a couple of weeks back. We got uh, uh, the groovy man himself, Mike Myers uh, mm-hmm. from REM, was mm-hmm. on the show. Mike Miller himself, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he uh, played uh, the uh, bass guitar. He right? played bass guitar. Bass guitar, the one that's really super low. Uh, did dun-dung, we ever ask him? Did we ever ask him if he enjoyed playing those low notes? You know what? I don't think... I had written that on my hand, but I forgot to actually say it out loud. Because, I mean, it's a choice to play bass guitar. Yeah. Because guitars are like... But then a bass is like so low. It's like... I'm loving it. Here I am, loving life, playing the bass guitar. Um, So if we ever run into him again, we gotta that's got to be our number one question. First thing I'm going to say to him. Do you like playing all those low notes? <laughs> so we had him on, so we came back. But a lot of people are like, well, why would you be back again? You right. Is like, at the end? Close up shop. Yeah. Well, au uh, contraire, mon frère, because uh, we we uh, got requested to do today's episode. We got a, we're taking requests now. Yeah. And uh, this came to us uh via a fan we'll talk a little bit more about that later uh when our guest comes or our guests rather come on the show yeah it's exciting i'm i'm really excited i know you are this is uh, so exciting do you want to say uh, uh, uh who is uh, on the show uh, i mean this is look i mean it's you know big fan big big fan like one of the best best bands working today uh-huh. By a long uh-huh. country mile. Uh-huh. Certainly one of my favorites. Sure. What he, the band's not one of my favorites? And you know, I, I will I will say right now that the new record is incredible and maybe their best. Well, you've had a chance to listen to it all. I've only heard half of it. Um, but it uh, it's really good. I uh, really enjoy it. Can we say the band? Can we say? I mean, yeah, we can say the band. Go ahead. One, two, Two, three. three. Vampire Vampire Weekend. Weekend. Vampire Weekend's own Ezra Koenig got a hold of us out of the blue and said, Bros, let's do a crossover episode. With my, I guess he does a radio show. It's not a podcast, but it's a radio show on Apple Beats. So he and Jake Longstreth, Longstreth, actually, I believe is, uh, uh, he said, pronounced both syllables equally. Longstreth. Yeah. Jake Longstreth. Yeah. His uh, co-host on Time Crisis, which is his show. Great show. They're both going to be on uh, our show talking about REM, and then we're going to get in the car. Zip on over. Zip on over to Time Crisis and uh, be on their show and talk about whatever uh, we talk about on that show. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? I think we might talk about The Grateful Dead a little bit. Uh, and that's the plan anyway. That's I don't the know. plan. Yes. Um, and you're, by the way, you're not going to leave during their show, right? Absolutely not. Okay, good. I'm, I'm going Commit- to hold you to that. I'm committing to that right now. Okay, good. <laughs> um uh, but that's that's super exciting. We're going to talk about the new Vampire Weekend record. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about everything concerning Vampire Weekend, and then we're going to talk about REM. So that's I'm I'm interested what uh, Ezra thinks of REM. If they had any influence on him as a songwriter, oh, or, I doubt it. Probably, but let's ask him anyway. Sure, that's what. Not? That's the beauty of this show. We'll be sitting here. We'll have microphones. He'll be sitting there. He'll have a microphone. As far as I oh, know, shit. Okay, well, I only I only brought two. Hmm, okay. Well, we can just write down what he says. Let's write down what he says and then get an Ezra Koenig impersonator We'll to do that and to, re-record and it later. Re, yeah, and then splice right. it in. That's what we're going to do. Sorry, we didn't bring microphones and I don't feel like doing a Bruce Springsteen and and uh, you know, little Steven with you sharing a mic. Oh, no, back to back. Yeah, no doing thank a whole you. Like that. No thank you. <laughs> thank you. I haven't <laughs> taken a shower in 4 weeks. So you really don't want to do that. You haven't taken a shower in 4 weeks? 4 weeks. What is going on with you? I'm just- Just baths? I just feel like- Yeah, just really intense, (laughs) long five-hour baths. (laughs) With tons of soap and hot water. (laughs) Well, you smell great. That's what I was going to say. Oh, I smell wonderful. I'm just saying you wouldn't want to stand back-to-back with me at a microphone. Okay, yeah. Because I haven't shaved in like two years. That's right. Yeah, I know. You have a super long Rip Van Winkle beard these days. Is this for a role or? The role of a lifetime, which is me being me. (laughs) You think- being yourself is the role of a life. I guess the role of your lifetime. That's what someone told me. I get, like, if someone were to say to me, hey, would you like to play Adam Scott in a movie? I wouldn't consider that to be a role of a lifetime. <laughs> I would kind of be like, yeah, all right. What, I'll I, what am I going to do in this movie? <laughs> is it all just about me making Krampus? Yeah. <laughs> what if that's the whole movie? That would be- <laughs> um, so that's coming up a little later. We have Jake and Ezra on the show and um going to be a fun one um, because what did you say about the new vampire weekend single? You, you, you rhapsodized over it on uh, Instagram. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, w- I it was pretty pretentious. I said, um, that, uh, Harmony Hall, which is the first single they released, they've now released, I think three or six something. songs or something. Yeah. Yeah. Three singles of, with two some B sides. Yeah. Um, and I said it was like Paranoid Android mm-hmm. for of, for a new generation for, or something for 2019, right? And the reason I said that is because it's a long song. It's because it's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no and stupid things come out of your brain yeah, and out of your mouth. It's it uh, it's it, you've been waiting a while for this song. It comes out and it has uh, – the way the song starts is very different than where it ends. It goes through different cycles and and it was a pretentious thing to say. But it felt to me like Paranoid Android did when I first heard that the f- a few times. Uh, the first few times uh, when in 97 <laughs> did that come out? So anyway, I regretted it, especially – I regret bringing it up. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I think are you, is what you're trying to say is that it has a lot of different types of musical parts strung together and it's a long song and it. Yeah, but it it's not like it's not it, super it, like Paranoid Android's like 6 minutes. Yeah. 7 minutes long or something. But this has it's almost it's, it's almost like a couple different songs kind of smooshed together in a really good way. Do you like it? What do you think of it? I lo- I heard it uh, again uh, this morning. Yeah. And it's great. It's, it's great. Uh, it's ding, ding It's got that, uh, you know, I'm free to do what I like uh-huh. in the old time. You kinda. can see that in the video, too. Definitely the, that period of music yes. influencing the visuals as well. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit of it here uh, so people know what the hell we're talking about and who the hell we're talking I mean, maybe there are people out there, they only, you know, this is an R.E.M. podcast. We probably have a lot of listeners who have only listened to R.E.M., And they don't even know what a vampire weekend is. They're like, what are you even talking about? So uh, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, 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 Harmony Hall here, if I can find it on the old pod, which I can. Let's hear a little bit of Harmony Hall. Graceland.
2: We took a vow in summertime Now we find ourselves in late December I believe that New Year's Eve Will be the perfect time for their great surrender But they don't remember Anger wants not survive. Voices won't sing did it can't hit anything? Thought that I was free from all that questioning. But every time a problem ends, another one begins. And the stone was a family old bear
1: witness.
0: Funky, funky. It's pretty great. I would say almost like I mean, this is maybe a stretch, but almost like a paranoid android for 2019. Oh, God. But you called me on it immediately. immediately and wrote a. The minute I saw you like, wrote that shut up or whatever, <laughs> I think I said, <laughs> I was shut like, up. Yeah, no, you, yeah. And, and right. to your credit, you were like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. Yeah, um, that was a fun bit of interaction on the most social of medias. Oh, there's nothing like it. Nothing like social media to make you smile in the morning. But only in the morning, because at night, put it away you got it You got to put it away got to put it away at night um so adam are you excited we also uh, we have a show uh, coming up at uh, Clusterfest you excited about that uh yeah that's going to be fun we don't know uh we're we're going to it's going to be doing something we're gonna real we're going to do a live show there, yeah, yeah it's uh, Clusterfest which is up in San Francisco so go get tickets to that san fran a little SF. Yeah. Uh, the city, as everyone called it. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I lived in in Sacramento, mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, I think I'm thinking maybe this weekend I'll go out to the city. Yeah. And I was like, what city? Yeah. I didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. And everyone everyone calls San Francisco the city, just the city. Like yeah. it's the only city. Yeah. yeah. I remember that from Santa Cruz as well. People they would say the city? The city. Yeah. When, when, what is the the radius? When do people stop calling it the city? The closer they get to L.A., I guess. In Los Angeles, you definitely don't say, I'm going to the city and it means you're going to San Francisco. <laughs> In fact, no one talks about San Francisco at all. I'm surprised that we're even talking about it right now. I thought there was a law against talking about San Francisco, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, that's the thing. Anytime I'm uh, look, I love going up there uh, and doing shows. been doing it for d- more than a decade. But anytime we're up there uh, and you mention Los Angeles, people boo and hiss oh, you. Oh, my God. And uh, – It's adorable because they hate Los Angeles and we never think of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It is a weird, because I did do a play up there. Which play did you do, my dear boy? It was, uh, I forget. Is this an episode of Treading the Boards? Yep. Everyone, welcome to Treading the Board. <laughs> <laughs> Treading the board. <laughs> Treading the board. Welcome to Treading the Boards. Uh, this is Scott, and this is Scott, and we're talking about the theater, the boards that Scott is referring to—the uh, baseboards the of the stage. Yes, the boards we trod upon as thespians uh, of the theater. Uh, and what was your question? What was, kind, sir? What tome did you perform in? I don't remember. <laughs> Why did we start this episode? I don't know. No, it was... Uh, God, if I could just remember the name of it. God damn it, really we still... I asked you if this was an I episode know. of Tread in the Boards yeah, and you said yes. I said it was. this is the only question I had prepared uh, for Tread in the Boards. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot Romeo Romeo and Juliet. And Juliet. That's a... I got to say, we've been doing Tread in the Boards a long time. Yeah. That's one of the most famous plays. Yeah, but for me, I think of whatever play I'm doing at the moment as the most famous play. Do you know what I mean? Also, you probably aren't even aware you're in a play because you're so deep in the character. That's right. I'm just living. Wow. Yeah. And that's what Tread in the Boards is all about. Living this, the the podcast, the the podcast. Yeah. About you doing Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Yep. The Um, entire podcast is about that one play that I did. Right. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye. Mm -hmm, Bye. Who did you play in Romeo and Juliet? Take a wild fucking guess. The priest who gives her the poison? <laughs> no. <sighs> Tybalt. Uh no. Juliet? Was it like a gender swap well, thing? No. no. I I'm out of guesses. I have no idea. Who did well, you play? It, take and one more. Take one more guess. One more. I'll okay. give you one more guess. Do you want a hint? Are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in that? No, goddammit. No, they're not in that play. They're in Hamlet. Fuck. Capulet? It's not Capulet. Capulet. The name is, other than Juliet, it's the most famous character in the play. Chet? Chet. Is that someone? His buddy? Chet, no. He does not have a buddy named Chet. Juliet's cousin? Who's Juliet's cousin? I don't even know who that is. I what? don't know. Uh it's the okay. The nurse. The nurse. God damn it. The name Nurses is Nurses can be men, Adam. The name is in the the play. Next to the dialogue title. of the character. Title. Title is your name? No. God. No. Who'd you play? I, I give play, up. I, I give up. I have no idea who you played. Okay. I played Romeo. (laughs) You played Romeo? Yeah, Yeah, I did. (laughs) All right. Hey, it's a little uh, too late for an April Fool's prank, Adam. (laughs) Well, this was some time ago, Scott. Okay. It's, you know what? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing sometimes, the lack of imagination, uh, I guess it, they it was just like untraditional, non-traditional casting kind of. Like, yeah. where, hey, we're going to put ugly people. We're going to put dumb, <laughs> ugly people the leads in the, the leads. <laughs> but anyway, when I was up there doing that, I did notice a lot of people were just like, oh, you live in Los Angeles? I'm so sorry. There was a lot of that <laughs> sort of attitude. People hate it, uh, Los Angeles, but. Which I don't get. Because San Francisco is an awesome city, but it's, it's also, it's not like. Los Angeles is a cesspool. There's or, no, com- I mean, it's, there, it's not even a competition. Why Why would there be a better city? Right. Like, who's judging cities? Right. They're just other two- than the city judges. That's true. Yeah. An elected position. Right. But who's, who's out there saying, like, oh, a city needs to be better than another city? They're just places. Yeah. They're places that you drive in your car, fly in a plane, however you want to Take get there. Take a scooter. Take a scooter, walk, skip if you want. Throw a scooter out on the sidewalk. Throw a coin to the to the newspaper stand guy. Grab a paper on the way to the. Sure, why wouldn't you on the way to work? <laughs> great cities all have a great good newspaper, man. Great, great cities. We should start a show about great cities at some point. Great cities, just <laughs> the world's best cities. <laughs> That'll be our follow up podcast to this this just, week. Tampa. (laughs) We should. We travel to each place and record. We go. We go there and just walk around. (laughs) What are we doing in in Tampa? (laughs) Why did we come? Why did we agree to do this? Why are we? This is exhausting. (laughs) All we're doing is walk. We could be walking around at home. We're traveling so much. It's hard to get to Tampa. Next week. Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Adam. Um All right, look at him. Yeah. Ezra I think is approaching. This is exciting. I can't wait. This is very exciting. We're going to talk to him about the new Vampire Weekend record. We're going to talk to him about REM and also Jake Longstreth. We're going to talk to him about something I presume. Oh yeah, he has a band too. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't it's not called can't wait. Adam's saying he can't wait. I can't wait to talk to him about his band. All right. When we come back, we are going to be talking to Ezra and Jake. We will be right back after this. Welcome back. Are you talking R A M Me? Are you talking R A M Me? I can never tell. You know, we've I've, I've, I, we've asked this question for us. It's for the th- hundreds quest. of episodes at this point. How many? How long have we been doing this show? We've been doing this show for let's twenty two years. Twenty two years. Yeah. Is that that's longer than Bonanza? It's, that's long. That's as long as the Simpsons have been on. It's longer than podcasts have been in existence. Exactly. I mean, we are real, real forefathers of this medium, mm-hmm. grandfathers. Yes, The Simpsons. Did you like them? Oh yeah, The Simpsons. Those Guys are great. They're funny. They're all guys, right? Those guys are funny. They are funny. The this Simpsons is, well, are funny. It's a comedy. Show. You ever, you ever do uh, one of those Simpsons episodes? No, but I've watched a bunch of them. Yeah, that's almost like being on it. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, I thought that's it as was. good. What, what would you, what would you play if you, <laughs> what would you play if you were? one of the simpsons would you i would demand first of all i would demand that i'd be one of the simpsons yeah i'd be part of the family yeah lisa non negotiable yes i would want to play lisa yeah. <laughs> special guest this week as lisa simpson scott Ackerman. and without trying to mimic the voice oh no no, no. well i i'd try is this that is michael tr- smith wait who's lisa i don't know I, I don't i don't okay, care they're right. out of there for this episode i don't give a shit who it is yeah, they're gone you. you know what it's me it's you here's my lisa simpson Hey, Bart, what what's up? Oh, look at that skateboard. See, I think that's fine. I think it works, and I actually- Oh, my God, to- you just had a cow. All right, you know what? Everyone's it's always wearing, trying to prevent him from having cows. Feet. I would be a character that encourages him to have cows. Love it. List it. Uh, are you going to love it, or are you going to list it? You ever see that show? Yeah. I'd love to be on that show with you. Love it, love it or list we it. We should buy a piece of property- And then you and I get it renovated, and then we decide if we're going to love it and stay there or if we're going to list it and sell it and move on and never see each other again. I think it would be really fun. You know know what show I want to be on is Insane Pools. Have you seen Insane Pools? What do they do? How insane are these pools, first of all? It's about this group of guys that make pool – you know, dig pools and make pools, custom pools in people's backyards. It's about a group of guys? Yeah, it's a bunch of dudes I'm sold. (laughs) Without the pools, I'm already in. It's – it's uh. How insane are these pools? Like, what they're do they do? Insane. Do they have slides? Slides, uh, waterfalls. Uh, and there's always a little bit of drama with the family who wants it. And then the they want of- something special with their pool and they yeah. feel like they're not going to get it because it's too expensive. Kind of uncompromising in their vision for the pool. But yeah. the pool maestro, the guy who really knows what pools, it takes to make yeah. an insane pool, he's got to keep the customer happy. He's got to keep his crew happy. Right. It's it's pretty great. Let me ask you a question. Is Deadpool involved in this show? Yeah. Deadpool's a big part of it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The Merc with a mouth. Yeah. Himself. Is that what they call Deadpool? <laughs> That's his, you know how every superhero has like a nickname? Like, like web, the Man of Steel. Webhead. Sure. Uh, uh, Shellhead. Yeah. Hornhead. A lot of head Who's nicknames. Hornhead? That's Daredevil. Of course. Uh, then you got Jade Jaws the Incredible Hulk himself. Jay jaws Jay jaws J-Jaws. <laughs> J-Jaws. J-Jaws. <laughs> J-Jaws. So if you're fighting the Hulk, you're like, hey, J-Jaws. He knows what you're saying, basically. Right. He's used to it. Right. But um the Merc with the Mouth is is Deadpool's nickname. Because hmm. he's a mercenary. That's what I don't understand about it. He's a mercenary. Yeah. But they sh- when you shorten it, when you read it, yeah, it makes sense because it's the first four letters of mercenary. Yeah. But shouldn't it be the merce with the Mouth? I don't know. How do you know it's not? I believe. Well, I don't know. I thought in the movie this was they covered this uh, territory. I didn't but see either of those movies. Why not? I just haven't seen them. You should play Deadpool. Okay. You'd be a good Deadpool if sure. Ryan. If Ryan, who who is it? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. If he gets the flu. If he ever gets the flu, and I I pray. Look, we're not doing this podcast to to just you know engender some sort of like weird karma where suddenly he gets the flu and it's our fault. No, we ho- no, we no, hope we no, hope he does no, not no, get the flu. No 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 no. But if he does. And I pray that he does not. I would not wish that no, no, on my don't. worst enemy, Adam. We don't want Ryan Reynolds to get the flu. Ryan, if you're listening and you even think you're getting some flu, please take emergency. Take that hand sanitizer and just squirt it all just over your squirt face. squirt it all over your, your cock, your balls, every part of your Everywhere. body. And then send us the pics. What were we talking about before we started talking about him squirting stuff all over his... Me taking, uh, stepping oh, in yeah, for stepping him. Oh, yeah, stepping in his he gets, he gets, You'd be a great Like, I Deadpool. could just step in and do some stunts. Yeah, maybe yeah. crack wise. You, you can't tell who's in the suit, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, they would have to use your voice and your body. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see you in that Deadpool outfit. Oh, yeah. It would be fun. It would be really fun. That'd be really fun. We should do that. We should film that one day. Okay. And just Let's send it to them. Just the two of, two of us? Two of us, you know, you and I alternating. No one would tell us apart, right? Nope. I mean, put, on, put a mask on both of our faces. We're pretty much the same. Yeah, we're the same height. And same good. height, same weight. Yeah. I like that you said build. I appreciate that. <laughs> sure, <I'm laughs> that's a nice way. That we're both built in some way. <laughs> yes. Look, uh, we have we have uh, some very special guests. Yeah, very coming special. on the show here, and we uh, we shouldn't waste any more time. Or do you I want to waste any so. more time? No, I think we've wasted the exact amount. <laughs> that's a good amount. Yeah. Um, they. Uh, this is exciting because these guys are REM fans from way back. Uh, they are the hosts, are you guys, uh, equal hosts or are you host and are you co-host or
2: are you both co-hosts? That's, we've never been asked it before. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm asking now, motherfucker. Well, (laughs) technically I, I was the, (laughs) take it easy (laughs) (laughs) on right. right. I just get steamed about this kind of stuff. (laughs) The, the the truth is I I'm the one who was originally engaged by yes by Apple you had the original contract I've, so I've, I've I would consider con- you to be the host yeah, contractually d- the truth is Jake is a subcontractor right <laughs> <That's
0: true>. but <laughs> you're I, like in in this great show that I saw Insane Pools there's this guy who does you all of these show. insane <laughs> pools right and Fuck he has you, all man. these subcontractors that he's like helping anyway but yeah Jake you're you are but are you the co-host have you risen to that status. Could you be fired I would, at any I, I, time? No,
2: I would say so. I mean, the show's technically called Time Crisis with Ezra With Ezra Kane, right. But By the way, point, and we'll introduce
1: you in a second. Oh, no yeah. one knows who yeah, you are. Yeah, we're
2: getting a little out of person, But at this point, we're co-hosts. You are co-hosts. I
1: do self-describe as the co-host. But could you fire Ezra? No. Because I think, Ezra, you could fire him. Well, easily.
0: Again. Easily. At, Scott, why are we... I mean, this is, is bringing up unpleasant <laughs> scenarios. For, they're friends. I mean, as Yeah, how, but I, let's just say that Ezra... You know he's not pulling his weight with the show. One day, could you, Jake, at a certain point, just like take him into the other room and be like, Ezra, I got to talk to you for a second. You're out. I'm in. No discussion. It's time crisis. Jake would have with as, Jake as a
2: subcontractor. Jake would have to go behind my back and establish a direct line of communication with. Have Apple. you done that already? He's not saying.
0: <laughs> he's, he's not <laughs> he's saying no. Pretty
2: tight-lived
1: about it. Resounding <laughs> silence. All right.
0: Well, this uh, they're, they're the uh, host and co-host of the podcast Time Crisis it's with not Ezra a podcast, Koenig. though. Sorry. It's a radio show that is only available in one place. <laughs> what we like to do with this show is we like it to be available anywhere. But you guys uh, obviously have some sort of like, you know, backstreet deal or something where uh, you're getting paid way more than us. And it's only available on Apple, right? Apple Beats? No,
2: Beats 1. Beats app, Beats One Apple Radio, and it's ava- and it broadcasts live on Sundays. Well, this is interesting actually, Uh-oh. because it's funny you should ask. <laughs> don't tee it up like that because Be- if you don't deliver, <laughs> this is very fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but well, the funny the funny thing is that Apple invented the podcast store, right? The podcast store on or iTunes. The- or yes, I guess it's not you wouldn't call it a store, right? Because
0: well, podcasts were available anywhere, people primarily got them from. Uh, iTunes, originally. But they were, you could get them anywhere. It it just depended on where you
2: hosted it. Because the podcast comes from iPod, which is Apple IP yes right
0: right right exactly which
2: actually, I forget all. I, I, in 10 or 15 years when you there still will be podcasts I, yes. I'm sure and you'll be explaining to a kid like why it's called why it's a called a, well it's short for iPod Broadcast <laughs> yeah they'll just be like what the fuck are Wait, you talking we should about
0: start, we should start calling these iPod, iPod Broadcasts, iPod broadcasts. <laughs> again I remember the first time hearing about a podcast I was reading about it in a magazine and they were explaining were you a reading podcast. an interview with me yeah they, they were explaining a podcast as being something you can listen to while you're baking and they'll, <laughs> they'll tell you what the recipe is as you're doing it. And you listen to it on your iPod. And I was like,
1: "Like, what if that
0: was the primary yeah, use for podcasts my, now? I didn't even wrap broadcast. my brain around that there were other uses. I just saw oh, specifically it as a for baking. baking thing. So for years, you were like, I'm not interested in no, baking. No, I still so we, bake whenever I listen to a oh, podcast because okay. I think they're telling me <laughs> Is uh, that why uh, you're constantly giving me baked goods? Yes. You bake those? I just throw them in the trash. Great. I should try one no, of them. No, that's great. No, keep sending them. Um I'm going inter- to explain- I, sh- I should introduce these guys. Yeah, but should we also explain what we're doing? It's a huge deal. We're doing a crossover. It's like it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. when Hill Street Blues and uh the Cosby Show would do a crossover. <laughs> yeah, episode. you know how when Bill Cosby would go on Hill Street Blues and they would try to arrest him? That's right. <laughs> and uh, for various things that he was doing back yeah, then. like misdemeanors. Yeah. Remember the Cosby Mysteries? <laughs> Yes, he
1: should have arrested was,
0: himself. Was he uh, a private detective? Something like that. Yeah. Oh my God, the yeah. Cosby mystery. The Cosby mystery. Well, mystery solved. <laughs> yeah, the case <laughs> closed. Uh, yeah, uh, let's, let's introduce, let's these, introduce guys. these guys. Uh, they are the host and co-host of Time Crisis. With Ezra Koenig, it is Ezra Koenig and Jake Longstreth. Hello, guys. Welcome hey to guys. the show. Thanks for yeah. having
2: us. Thank you for doing Thank this show.
0: For and and we are going to also be on your show.
2: Yes, it's a true. Uh, I I thought maybe we could. Described as the Subway Series.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. wouldn't that be great? Has that ever happened, the Subway Series? It has. It has. Oh, in New York? Yeah. Well, oh, I you, mean, literally a World Series where the Mets and the Yankees have played versus yeah. each other. There has been a World There has been a 2,000. 2,000 that occurred? Really? Yeah. Wow. What a treat for the fans. <laughs> also, in the Bay Area, we had the A's and the Giants in 89. What did they call that? I think Battle of the Bay. I think you're right. Mm. It's kind of a lamer yeah, name not, than a, Subway Series. No disrespect, but it's, it's not as Yeah, Subway no, it's series. not. But you guys, the crack of the bat, that's, like, pretty cool, right? <laughs> Did that sound?
1: <laughs> yeah, Wait, uh,
0: you
2: know, just in general. Play ball? Like, the crack of the bat? I just felt really insecure because I know so little about baseball that I was waiting for Jake <laughs> to be like, well, of course. You literally <laughs> mean the sound. Yeah. It's a lovely sound. Crack, play ball. They have that sound in uh, John Fogerty
0: center field. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing that, like it. Put me
1: in, coach. And then they break. Oh. That's supposed no, to be but a. Bat? They break four bats. But,
0: no, no, not that. But later, right after the bridge, you hear this. Right, right after he says "Play Ball." No, he says something about the getting put in the game finally, and then they end the song or right before kind of the outro. It's a. So he someone hitting the ball. So okay, that song you guys know, John Fogarty, Centerfield, right? You listened the, to it last week. That's you a, did really. <laughs> that's a
2: real like Jake classic. Okay, I yeah. probably know that song because of you, right?
0: So it's put. So <laughs> from my memory I of that it, song too. I, I'm I'm a casual listener at best. I believe the year it came out. I probably heard it on Top Forty Radio a uh, hundred times. Uh-huh. <laughs> what year? <sighs> if 86. I had to guess, eighty five. Great guess. It was. It was what? <laughs> yeah, 85. Said 85. 85. Okay. So 85, I listened to it 100 times, and then since that sporadically, uh, possibly 99 times a year. Sure. <laughs> so so less. So definitely less. <laughs> there uh, are a few other cool songs on that album,
2: too. Sure. Isn't Wait, there- Yeah. Is I there, didn't go is deep. There, uh, is there a song called Stranger on that record? I don't. We can look it up because it, so. n- there's n- str- not to get ahead of ourselves. There's a stranger on our record, yeah. and I feel like somebody was like, "There's a Fogarty. The, what was n- the other
1: single on that record? "Old
2: Man Down the Road," right? Which okay. he
0: got sued for ripping himself off, right? Because it was like "Born on the Bayou" or it was
1: "Born on the Bayou."
0: That was. Remember when I suggested Credence for? A, oh God, for our oh. fucking oh. kill me! Podcast. I know. never. Oh, that loved, could be cool. I know. Well, you hate, You hate Credence? No. I'll I do mean, a Credence pod with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying love, no to the idea of the Creedence. podcast. Yeah. Like you guys. sitting around talking wait, about Credence.
2: But you like Credence.
0: You guys do the most unpopular podcast of all time <laughs>
2: featuring the
0: co hosts of our and respective maybe, maybe, shows. Maybe
2: you, you and me do a solo
0: Fogarty <laughs> yeah, podcast. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so in that song, I, I barely listened to it since then, but um, only, 99 only 99 times, times a, year. a year. But he's it, entreating upon the coach, put me in, coach. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to play today. Which does that work? I wonder in baseball.
2: Do, are like are the running up to the coach and being like, <laughs> "Hey, please, 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 please." please. <laughs> Wait, is that is that song take place with, with like children? It's a little league or it's big leagues?
0: It may be a little league song. Well, I don't know. Seems, you may be onto it something. Seems here. like big league stakes. Uh, really? What he's singing about? Big league stakes, but maybe in a little league maybe. environment, or maybe like perhaps my Cape Cod summer baseball. It could be like you know yeah. how the Bad News Bears—they went to Japan oh, for big the sequel because huge like stakes. It's like the World Series, and now like literally the World Series for them. So it could be something like that. But he's asking, "Put me in, put me in, put me in." Yeah, I don't please, know please, how. Please, don't, <laughs> that seems to be the extent of the lyrics. Just please, 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 please. Yeah, and put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. So you're saying that the brown? There's something about a brown-eyed handsome man. Right. Oh, yeah. really?
1: Why is he so obsessed with brown eyes? The the yeah. first verse of that song is complete nonsense. Real, what is it? You've listened to it. I listened to last it last week, week driving.
0: Oh, what yeah. do we got? <laughs> Did it make you want to go play baseball? Like pull over kind on the of. side of the road at the first baseball field? You, you know how when you're driving, about every mile you see a baseball field? Yeah. Just like pull yeah. right over at the first one that you see and just like. Play some home run derby. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's kind of a mishmash of just baseball references, but the first verse is truly makes no sense. Well I beat the drum and hold the phone. What? The Sun came out today. I'm already confused. <laughs> hold the phone. Wait, wait, wait. Well, What's well, he beating? Well, I beat the drum and hold the phone. So beat the drum, hold the wait, phone. Well, I think that might make sense. Would I But it's d- so just holding like the hold the up. For. He's well, like, like hold like, you know, like the expression hold the phone. Yeah. yeah. Like Chill for a sec. Like,
0: wait, because he's why is he? Be- starting. Is he beating the drum about his own abilities? What are like? It's, like I said, it's a, me- it's the a sun metaphor. Came he's not literal- today. Okay,
1: we're born again. There's new grass Uh-oh. on the field. I like that. He's, is he talking about a woman? <laughs> we're born. There's again. grass on the field. Actually, dude, around in third and <laughs> heading for home. Oh, that's it's what a, this
0: is about. So this a, <laughs> is all. This is all a song where he's asking a pimp if he can have sex with a prostitute. Or he's just talking about how he. How he. Wants to make love with a woman. So he's at. So coach, when he's saying coach, he's talking to the woman. Put me in, coach. Or or maybe he's talking to himself and just trying oh, to build. Oh, he's confidence. trying to.
1: Oh, that's it. Maybe he's addressing his <laughs> nether regions. Oh, that could <laughs> okay, be. Yeah. So around in third and headed for home. It's a brown-eyed, handsome man. uh Oh, anyone can understand <laughs> Boy, the way yeah. I feel. Now, the rest of the song is just sort of a mishmash of references there, to The Ty rest of it Cobb, should be explaining what he feels because everyone doesn't understand the no. way he feels. I listened to the song twice in my car <laughs> on a long drive. Was it on an iPod or
0: uh, your phone? or phone. Did, did it come up? Through the Apple Music service. I see. Yeah, that you uh,
1: are so uh, entrenched in. Very, did, very did it come up randomly and you were like, I'm to no, hear that again? It came up in discussion because we were listening to Credence. And then I posed the question of what did Fogarty do in the 70s? Now, we're all aware of center field, which is from 85. Sure, certainly but we are. Seven, he kind of disappeared. Yeah,
0: he didn't do anything for a long when, time. When did he do? He did the whole brown
2: eyed girl,
0: right? No, that's Van Who's Morrison. Who's that? That's Van Morrison. Okay. So, <laughs> what, did, what did Credence do? They did the
2: It ain't me. It ain't me. I ain't no senator, son. son.
0: Yeah, oh, Proud beautiful. Mary. Proud that's Mary. Oh, Proud Mary. Okay. Uh, now, uh,
2: dude, 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 and looking out my back door.
0: Down yep. on the corner. He's really obsessed with back doors and round in the corners. <laughs> Got Have
1: you ever seen The Rain?
0: Oh, that's the one. What's oh, the one yeah. that everyone Run sings? the a, Jungle. What's the one that everyone sings a karaoke that annoys the shit out bad of Bad Moon Rising? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. When I see a bad... Is that a big karaoke song? Yeah, for yeah. whatever reason.
2: Like, and classic rock, for whatever reason, yeah, is like yeah. when I was doing karaoke, it was, like, bad huge. Bad Moon Rising. Yeah, I feel like hmm. Credence... Well, we talked. We've talked on our show a bunch about how like I feel like the Doors got forgotten about. Yeah, they got X'd out of the history. Unless box. you were a
0: college kid who took drugs for the first time and listened to the Doors, and then that's all you would talk about. I hope that's for still like happening. a year.
2: Yeah, that I think that still happens. I just feel like if if they, I feel like the Doors and Creedence both kind of. They're know, they're not talked
0: about as much. Like they're not. Although I did see a uh, million dollar listing episode where. Uh, <laughs> The house was owned by Robbie Krieger, maybe, oh, for, oh, yeah. or one of the doors, and they. And there was a big mural on the on the on the wall that uh, they had painted that re- represented the doors, and they recorded a lot there. and And the the real estate agent had to keep pointing it out, going, uh, "One of the doors owned this, and this is a mural ab- about the doors." And everyone was very unimpressed. So I think, yeah, yeah no one really respects like- the doors
2: anymore. And credence too, like, well, I guess. So their their run of albums that was like very Epic. really impressive, like five yeah. years or something. And From like what, two what year, to, year, what, sometime, what year so. to what year? What year to what year?
1: Sixty eight to seventy two. I, I mm. want to say maybe sixty seven to seventy two. Because they were on that like two albums a year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right.
0: I wonder if my parents were listening to them when they conceived me. I was born in sixty nine. In a sixty nine. Were you Were you actually <laughs> born on? No, the bayou. I con- <laughs> no, I was conceived in sixty nine. <laughs> on the bayou. On the bayou. Um, I, I feel like with bands like that, they have to have someone in charge of. Their estate or whatever that's like repackaging, constant repackaging. Yeah, and like putting them in movies. In the '90s, the Doors were well, especially right. with that Oliver Stone movie. Yeah, they're constantly being repackaged, and you would, you know, uh, that that book, No One Here Gets Out Alive, yep. was and, and, a and, I, feel, and I feel like
2: in that era, that that uh, that black and white shirtless Jim Morrison yeah. poster, yes. the, the American poet one, yeah, that that was that was up. It was there like with guys, uh, John Belushi posters and Bob yes. Marley in, in college dorms. It was totally. guys. Marilyn Monroe poster. Yeah, you yeah know? it
0: was. Um, but now no one, no one really talks about it them. It's weird. That. It may be because the music's bad. Do you think that could be? It? Mm,
2: well, that here's the oh, sum of thing. I love we're just going deep on Fogerty and the Doors. We'll get no, to no, REM. No, yeah, I know that's at what a certain point. Here, but the the one the one thing part of the reason we were talking about them is because I went to the Jay Z Beyonce show. Oh, and I, I was you... there too. Do you, do you? I wonder who had a better seat. <laughs> I had pretty good seats. Yeah, but the, do you remember that, um, that at figure. some point they did this? Well, first they they put George, uh, Jim Morrison on the screen. Oh, I don't remember. Oh. They did they did one one song where the visuals on that gigantic screen yeah. they had were uh, famous mug of different people. Oh, I do arrested. remember that. Yeah, and, Frank Sinatra. And, yeah, ex- exactly, and, yeah. exactly. So Jim Morrison was one of them. Right. And I was already like interesting. What was he arrested for again? Oh uh, indecent exposure oh right 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 right. At a right, show right. In yeah. Florida yeah and then they go into a song that I hadn't thought about in a while but do you remember there was this jay z song called the takeover yeah that has a door sample bomb 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 bom, from five bom, to bom, one bom. exactly okay. so then I went back so then I'm like watching them like perform it and just like that song just like hit really hard and then I right. went back and I listened to five to one and we just started talking about it again. I was just like, that song's incredible,
0: right? They have they it's, have it's some very, jams.
2: It sounds it's like hip hop. It's very forward right. thinking. It sounds like Jesus or something, right? Because they just had that weird instrumentation, so they'd occasionally do these just very right forward thinking things. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, uh, w- without the uh, what did they not have? They didn't well, have a keyboard, keyboard
2: was like the lead instrument. They didn't. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have a. There's uh, bass on songs. They did not have a bassist in the
0: band. But he was playing the electric bass, exactly. mainly with one yeah, hand, Yeah, yeah, so you right? get some
2: weird stuff happening yeah.
0: there. So, and then meanwhile, he's going, doo-doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah. He's <laughs> incredible. Um, L.A. Woman's a uh, pretty great album, top to bottom. I like mm-hmm. the Billy Idol version. <laughs> <laughs> Is there so great because yep. oh. <laughs> he does it like this? <laughs> 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 Remember when Billy Idol was like just hit after hit, he in, was great for a but while. But when he came back and had a bunch of hits, well, he came back with uh cyberpunk or in the mid 90s. Unfortunately, he got <laughs> yeah, he got dragged into that whole cyberpunk early 90s thing. rock the cradle of love, rock the was cradle of love, so huge. Come on, he was great. He's I've seen him recently with uh yeah, Steve that's, Stevens. That's, oh. that's really. Yeah, Steve seems an amazing guitarist. Yeah. You know how he puts that he puts he has that laser gun, right? And it, the one that goes boo 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 boo, right? No, I don't know. This. Okay, so well, he's playing the guitar, the solo in which song is it? You're not interested in this, right, Jake? You don't like Billy Idol. I'm now, not a right? Billy Idol. Okay. Yeah. okay. So <laughs> he's playing either. so he's playing the he's playing the solo in one of those songs and it's the one that goes doo 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 doo. Um and he presses the the laser gun against the guitar. And makes it like feet. Really? Yeah. Is it RM reference an Ebo?
2: Oh. <laughs> Ebo the latter It could be. Um, I'm still not anyway. entirely sure what an Ebo is, but. Uh, Isn't it the. But it, it's something weird. It's like, it. I always thought of it, it sounded like a laser to me. I've never used one, but it, it's like you hold it over the strings, right? It's yeah. With your right hand. With your right hand. And if, it's like. If your right hand. What do
1: you do with your left hand?
2: No, like your left
1: hand is on the fretboard. Oh, thank in, in, God. Instead then, of picking, you're Instead right. of
2: picking, you use the e button. I think it like sustains the vibration of the but string. But is it like a laser? Is it sort
0: of like playing a saw
2: in a way? I think it's, well, it sounds like it a little bit. Right. I always pictured it almost being like something emanating. I almost pictured it as like you're holding your phone and like, like, a, yeah, uh, something's emanating from the phone that makes the strings like vibrate. You don't right. need to even touch it? Exactly. Right? Yeah. anytime exactly.
0: you see someone playing a saw, they're like bending it, and someone's just kind of like barely
2: hitting it or and, something. Yeah, and then, or then it has just, that weird sustain. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But I it's s- not like a
0: uh, uh, what's that instrument that you're, you you oh, don't theremin. touch the theremin? Yes. The,
1: the edge used uh, the the ebow a lot, right? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. like on uh, we with or, didn't or get without. A chance you? to ask him that. Those, like, oh, those really yeah. high, like oh, maybe like that's
0: guitar. I think he no, just but that, yeah, know, He's but using the Ebo, EBO on a guitar. Ebo, he's
1: using the EBO to get that sound. tone, that like really sustained, That's like. Wow.
2: Yeah, because sure. you use an EBO to play a guitar. That's all it's Precisely. for, right? Yeah.
1: Hmm. I think they
0: use it on the song "Ebo the Letter" too, right? Right. That's yeah, why they called. I think they called it "Ebo the Le- Like" because they used an ebo on the song, and then it was based on a letter he wrote. As and it well. was like a temporary name, and then yeah, and then it, it just stuck. What anyway, album is that off of? That is New off Adventures. of "New Adventures in Hi-Fi." Let's talk about Don't R.E.M. Know that one. Let's reset a little and talk <laughs> <Okay>. about R.E.M. <laughs> we got a guy who has no idea they ever put out an album called uh, "New
1: Adventures in Hi-Fi." I've, so this I've be heard a, the title. Oh, you have never listened to the album. When you said you never heard of that one, you were lying. I said I've never heard that. Oh, one. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Can we go back to the tape? I guess <laughs> we could. Yeah, let's, let's read rewind, line, guys. <laughs> I've never heard that one. It's right there. Yeah, see, he <laughs> wow. said it for
0: great Crazy. things. Great um, things. Let's talk about REM. Let's let's reset here. Talk about REM. You guys are. This is your show, Time Crisis with Ezra Koenig. Mm-hmm. Uh You guys talk about music a lot. T- yeah. Tell me a little bit before we get into R.E.M. Just about the why you started the show, what the differences are between you. You started the show, you came onto it in the middle, but what what primarily you talk about music a lot a lot yeah. on it. What type of music do you talk about?
2: Well, it kind of ended up that yeah, you know, after a lot of episodes, we kind of settled into a groove. Um, the The music that comes up a lot, well. We always listen to the top five songs on iTunes that day. So th- at the end of the show, there's always a moment when we're kind of just going through the hits of the day. And they don't change that much, right? No, we, that's, for months we yeah. might hear
0: that song. No, the, like, we have a show, Who Charted, here, uh-huh. which my wife uh, co-hosted for a long time. And that was the problem with doing the music charts. Is Never ended. Same song is there. The Ed Sheeran and uh, oh, oh yeah!
2: Oh yeah! Just, we went hard on right.
0: that one. Just is there forever, and you end up like not having anything to talk about. The only life.
2: thing I would say about that one, "Shape of You," is that mm-hmm. oh, I know what you're talking about. Bed sheets. Bed sheets, Is that <laughs> there? That that song ended up being a, a rewarding close read because he has like there's just all these like interesting lines in there about how like he took her out for Chinese food. We talked for hours and hours about the sweet and the sour. Uh oh. You can go deep. That's on a that, little right? problematic, in a th- way. That's true. Well, our our take he was that yeah, talk for hours and hours about the sweet and the sour. I, 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 we we could like we'll it's it's whole not a moment.
0: bad lyric if you cut out the we went out to Chinese food. You right. know what I mean? Like if you're like we talk for hours and hours about the sweet and the sour, that's like oh that's kind of cool. But when you add the we did it at Chinese food, then you
2: start being like, come on Ed, let's do a second draft. Right, and then also he implies in the next line that that they they took food to go, and clearly they were at a buffet.
0: Really? They're out of buffet and they took food? This yeah, is he
2: implies, yeah. He's insane. Yeah.
0: Did they,
2: did they just allow him to do it because he's Ed Sheeran? I don't know why Ed Sheeran gets a pass. <laughs> but he, <laughs> this is
0: terrible. He is he is cancelled as <laughs> yeah. far as I'm concerned. Now, is this because it stayed on the charts for so long you guys were kind of forced to go deeper we, and deeper? We, 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 must, we
2: must have talked about that song ten times I'm sure it's uh-huh. similar right. to the chart show. We like ten times. At least that one, we would sometimes get into different verses and be like, okay, and like kind of look right. at right because you know, Ed Sheeran, he, there he isn't. Interesting songwriter. There are things, but some some of these other ones, like we'll do shallow. Oh, well, sh- shallow. we went as shallow Shallow's dope. But we've, we've shallow is a
1: weird song, we, isn't it? It's structurally
2: weird. Yeah, it's it's structurally weird, which is cool. I love that that bridge, and then also, but it like, like
0: suddenly it just ends, right? Like they you isn't it structured where it's like verse,
2: verse, chorus goes to that big part. Bradley's verse, Gaga's verse. Yeah, then there's that... Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah, and then it kind of ends... And then just kind of like, it's like,
0: goodbye, everybody! Quickly yeah. after that. It's weird when they say goodbye, everybody, <laughs> at the end, isn't it?
2: <laughs> there so isn't long.
0: really a chorus, though, is it? Well, is, in I, the I'm
2: shallow, 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 And then I have said, so I, I, I love that song, but I do have this problem with it, that they, that the, 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 it goes, uh, they basically say, we're in the deep end, we're far from the shallows now. And then the chorus just goes in the shallow, and it's, I it's was just like you're thing. not I'm there. Like, yeah, you're it's in the, the deep thing end. about where you are. You're in the deep. But I, I understand they wouldn't just sing in the deep end. I don't know. It's kind of catchy. Yeah. No. Do you it's think catchy. that would have won an Oscar if they were like, look
0: in the, in the deep, deep end, end, the deep deep <laughs> end? Do you find that that? Uh, do you find, before we get to your musical differences and similarities, mm. do you find that being a musician yourself, we haven't talked about this, you are a uh, a member, maybe even a founding member, of the band Vampire Weekend. Oh, right, yeah. Do you find being a musician, it is touchy and dodgy for you to talk about other musicians' work?
2: Definitely. I think I I think some some of our listeners I'm like a little bit infamous because Jake tells it like it is. Jake has yeah. strong. You're a
1: straight strong. shooter. I've I've always said that about you from the minute you walked in here. <laughs> to, I don't have a professional stake right uh, in the music if industry. If you if you talk shit
0: about Ed Sheeran no one's like you're not going to run into Edge here and at, at the uh, uh, I don't know what your awards shows are called the globies or whatever yeah at the globies and <laughs> Ed cleaned up last year actually got some globies <laughs> and you're not going to run into him and he'll go hey mate why the fuck yeah, would you say that, that about bed sheets <laughs> has there been an awkward moment running into someone
2: no because no one I, listens yeah cuz nobody <laughs> listens cuz it's very hard to find um, no but i've always I've, and I've talked about this on the show before. I, it's one of those things that starts as as like trying to be nice, and then it actually becomes a worldview. But w- when Vampire Weekend first came out, you know, and I mean, you guys know too, as crea- as creative people make TV shows, all, comedy, it's, ter- it's very like very kind of you. you n- always we, nice to meet a fan. We all know. <laughs> we all know <laughs> that, like, you put you put your work out into the world. You're going to get a random person saying, hey, that episode sucked. That song yes. sucked. Every episode you ever put
0: out or song or whatever mm. is going to be someone's favorite and someone's least favorite. Yes.
2: And, and actually, you're, yes. it means you're doing something good if, it, if that's if, true. If it strikes
0: a chord. If, way, if everything's
2: yeah. – everybody's like, it's okay. So I, that's exactly how I think about songs. It has to be somebody's favorite. And the flip side is it will be somebody's least favorite. But so we know you're going to get the random fan/hater whatever just being like that one sucked. And then of course we can't avoid the fact that there're critics who it's their job to say what they think and sometimes they're a little bit meaner than they need to be and their whole profession is is also like crazy too. So you have to have some sympathy for sometimes.
0: Talking and writing about music is very difficult and insane. I don't see how anyone does it.
2: Yeah, and especially now like the the <laughs> pressure with the Facebook, Google, ad world it, the whole thing's crazy so I also mm-hmm. I also do feel like there's been times I've been like upset by critics but then you do have to have you ever heard anyone's feelings though have I, okay, well so then so, so, that, so I get to the point that we understand there's haters and fans and critics and I've always kind of felt like ah, it sucks but you have to admit those people are just playing their part in the right the, the, yeah. this thing this thing whereas the old, the one thing that always felt unnecessary is when somebody who does the same thing you do is just a dick for no reason. Yes. So that I was just always kind of like so when we first came out and we would have some especially like a more established artist or somebody a little bit older and they would just like say some shit and it and clearly it's so rooted in some type of Mishmash of I under taste, but also professional competition and yep. jealousy.
0: Meaning, if an established artist were to say, were to slam Vampire Weekend in an interview or something, like punching down yeah. to a, someone just coming up,
2: or even and so so really like, you heard my feelings when we were young. There'd just be like somebody who who'd just be like, just out of nowhere, just like do multiple interviews, just being kind of like being like oh they fucking suck like and I'm right. like why don't don't, I, don't don't we have Are some... we
0: all just in the same thing exactly. just trying I just to feel like,
2: don't... trying to get a nut? Who did Are that? we all just
0: squirrels
1: We're trying just to get <laughs> a nut? squirrels
2: trying to get a nut. That's what um, Who did that? That's a good song. Uh, yeah, well, who did that?
1: No, who slammed you repeatedly? Slam like, them the, now. The, the, circa 2008. No, no, no,
2: no, no, I, no I, I actually don't. I can't, but I yeah, don't but, but it may
0: be even someone who like doesn't even feel that way now.
2: No, and there there have been people that I met later who are like a little bit sheepish, kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, like who knows? I said something about yeah, you. That happen
0: Believe me, it happens a lot in comedy.
2: Yeah, uh, less so probably in acting. But I, I don't but know. You know what? You know Come what's on. funny? I always thought that maybe this is just from watching TV shows. I always had this weird impression that in comedy there was more of that shared sense of like what we do is so hard There, that, there that is we, that we gotta yes, kind of Yes, there is a, bro-
0: a, a brother and sisterhood of comedy where I know that I can count on people in comedy to be there for me mm-hmm. uh, in a way like I can call up Patton Oswald and go hey man do you want to do something and because I've known him for 25 years he'll be like yep definitely I'll be uh, you know mm-hmm. when we would do stuff where like people we would have charity auctions to like you know film a video with Patton Oswald or whatever he always would do it and it's because of that we've been in this, we all know the shared sensibility. We've all, we've all been in the trenches together, which I would imagine there is in, in music too. But at the same time, there is sniping. A little bit. I think when you're young, you're always sniping and you're always like worried about your place right. in the world.
2: And then when you get older, you're like, I'm just glad people are talking about me. Kind of, yeah. And, and also just like, especially now, now that I'm like 35, I, I can look back and like, I just can't even imagine. I'm sure you can't imagine. Like imagine you saw like a like a 20-year-old bomb at some show that you were at that you're about to go on. The idea that you would like relish in that, it's just bananas because we have anyway, you yeah. you know. It,
0: yeah. You, well, you know. also I think that you have uh and I'm I'm not sure that I can speak for Jake here, but you have uh, achieved uh a sort of an established career at this point. You've been in the game for so long and you're at a at a level where it's like you're a little more comfortable than your first album where you're like Well, we well, yeah, are striking a chord. You're, you're
2: one, Wondering if you're, you know, gonna even have be able to keep trying yeah. to do this. Are you job. gonna
0: make be able to make a second album? Yeah, do so people it, care enough? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it is crazy to think that it's already been what 12, 13 years, 11 since, years, 11 years since the first record came out, and you are like an established artist on your fourth album. Yeah, and is it, right. right, no,
2: that, that's crazy. Hitting a fourth album really feels like mid career style, right? And now because
0: anyone can do three. You know what I mean? Like uh, any jackass on the street can make can, three can make albums. three amazing, critically revered albums. Yes, but to do a fourth, <laughs> a fourth—that's where. So, but so, do you worry about then about hurting someone's feelings, or do yes. you kind of feel so,
2: like? So, I I always kind of felt like that I was so blindsided by that. It just seems so extra that I just kind of realized like, I can't do it, and and I can't I can't ever do it publicly. So having a show where we talk about music. And I just try to see the positive in everything. And also, I've also tried to be aware of the fact that because, you know, we we live in this crazy world where we're so—it's natural to have our worst competitive jealous things come out— all the time, just to know that that's inside of me, just like it's inside of everybody. I also just realized there I could never really make a statement about somebody else's music publicly and be totally confident that I was speaking from a pure taste level. Right? You because know what I mean? do you
0: do you talk? And this is the sense that I get from you. You're talking about more from a comedy level or of a, like a, a place of love with stuff you really like. That's that's what we do a lot of times. Is like we mm. like to talk about stuff we like. Yeah. But you also like if there's something like Ed Sheeran's song, you're coming at it from a level of like, look, I'm not a music critic. I'm a guy just kind of making fun of this kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, we try to we try to find the humor in it. But you're you're to
0: not coming at it from a like this is a bad song uh, because I write good songs no, and I like, know what good song. And are. I
2: try to give and I try to give it up too because like he he does he is a good songwriter and <laughs> he connects with people. And also you know there's also that that feeling I find this especially with music that when you meet like an old cool person and they. And they still their reference for like garbage is something from their era. So you like meet like meet some cool dude who was like the super hipster in the seventies, and they'll be talking about music, and and like they might be like, oh, the
0: Grand I'm, Funk Railroad, yeah, oh, and they'll God. talk and
2: they'll talk about be like, I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, you know. That that should sounded like Neil Diamond, and I'm thinking because like, I'm so, I love I'm Neil so much younger, yeah. where I'm just yeah. like he wrote "Red Red Wine." <laughs> yeah, sir. Yeah. What the hell are you talking <laughs> about? And I, but of course, or like we talk about on the show, how like it used to be like fashionable to hate on ABBA and the Bee Gees,
0: right? And it's like... and But then you hear, uh, you know, like, they they have amazing songs. And you know? Fleetwood Mac was like... Oh, yeah, Fleetwood yeah, Mac wasn't cool. That everyone was like, ugh, yeah. another Fleetwood Mac album. And now, yeah. And so I think you can go back and... Rumors. Yeah, you or know, Credence uh, Clearwater Revival. And then you're never going <laughs> to convince no, me were, on that They one. were
2: like, num- they had number one <laughs> yeah, albums I know. and stuff. I can just, just picture talking, you know, to like my son in 20 years or something and just being like... I picture that Oh, too. man. Yeah, that, that was just that. Just me just talking. Yeah, I, I love about to what picture that. That's a great <laughs> yeah, image. But I, just, and, and I'm just, I can just picture, like, imagine if I was, like, like the hater dude, and I was like, oh, man, you know, like, let's listen to some critically acclaimed music from 2010. Right. And then, and I was like, and he plays, like, an Ed Sheeran song, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I, I right. can totally picture him being just like, d- like, Dad, you're such a loser. The fact, and I, I can't even bring yeah. myself to give the counterexample, the fact that you think that that band, from 2010 is cooler than Ed Sheeran's bedsheet song. You're such a dork. Right. I can picture it, I, and it could. It really could happen. I
0: find myself getting less snotty as the years go by. Even though I've slammed the doors (laughs) and credence here. It's pretty safe to slam the door (laughs) at this point. But you know what I mean? I find myself, in terms of like if people, like I I think I've talked about this on this show, but I had uh, a girlfriend when I was 24 who, and I was so snotty about alternative music. Mm. And um, she was talking about how she went to go see a Phil Collins show concert. Mm. And I was like, fuck him. Right. And I'm a guy who owned Phil Collins records. Like, and I sold yeah. them, I did that whole thing of selling them because he wasn't cool. And he was too, too famous, but I was like, fuck him. And she's like, why, you know, she's immediately on the defensive now. I'm like, fuck him, man. He's just like, he's just so dorky. And mm. she's like, I, I really enjoyed the show. I'm like, f- you can never pay me to go there. She's like, he's a really good entertainer. I'm like, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, why do? And, and then I, f- I felt bad about it for so long because it's just like, she had fun. You know? Well, why yeah, do I, Phil Collins is awesome. <clears throat> and he's great. you have but, to go through that stage where you swear off everything except what, like when I was yeah. 19 and I— Got rid of all my Led Zeppelin and all my classic yeah. rock albums. Anything that's and I, popular, d- eventually buy them all back. Right? Yeah,
2: exactly. Wait, actually, this reminds me. I wonder if you guys have seen this or, or gotten into it before. It was, I, I re- in the past few years. I read like a. Uh, I'm never sure what the word is when you want to talk about something that was written at the time of the thing. Uh, just a contemporary yeah. profile. Okay. A contemporary profile of, um, like. Out of time era REM. Yeah. Okay, and I think it was like a Spin cover story or something. You know, right. it, like I love when you find and, and right s- old still Spin up, articles
0: that. are like I don't think they've digitized any of them. They've just taken pictures of the magazine or yeah, something. Often, you can get, often yeah, often it's like I that. have them right. all in a box. So, you but, have all every Spin. Right. Well, I have all,
2: in one box <laughs> Yeah, how tall is this box? It's a box. It's this big. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it might have been. It might have been out of... Maybe you remember when were they on the cover spin. Was it out of time? Or he was knows. It, yeah, yeah, they were on the before. cover spin. So one thing that was interesting to me, and this is also the, these hilarious ways that things shift, is that a significant p- part of the article seemed to be about the fact that REM was no longer cool with the intelligentsia of Athens. Right. So there was like a part of... So I'm reading this, and you know I was seven then, so by the time I really got into that album was probably like 2002 right. or something. And I'm just kind of like... Wait, this was like this this is like this beloved band who already for eight years was kind of like America's indie sweethearts and then they so it's not like they got it was the back no it's not like they got big like like on the second album it's like like
0: you couldn't. They've been rising it. steadily the yeah. whole time. And why? Have, like, why now?
2: And then you have like Kurt loving them. And It's like everything mm-hmm. about them that should have been the time where finally, finally, you've seen cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that like the super hipsters and the mainstream would agree. Like yeah. that's yeah. One thing. But even then, there was this like part There's, of the article where REM kind of had a chip on their shoulder. And they interviewed like I think they interviewed just like some random Athens people who were just like Oh REM and I was like Whoa, yeah. really?
0: Yeah. There's it's, a tipping point w- with anything where I think people just if something gets too popular like you look at the Marvel movies now there's a certain contingent of comic book nerds who have always like been the geeks and the outsiders Mm. now Marvel movies are the biggest most popular things in the world they should be like fucking stoked right but instead there's a whole contingent who are like these just aren't these are too popular these I don't like them anymore I think that's just a natural reaction of wanting to always be an outsider in a certain way I mean Mm. in a way is it nice to have maybe a, a lot of success with your first record so you never had to go through that period where you had the purists that are going to get mad when you yeah, get. Yeah, should super, you like? Is that, that is that, that better for the right career away? to be to be <laughs> super popular right away, uh, and then like stay on that level, or rise, or be super popular right away and then do a drop off? What's the
2: best? <laughs> <laughs> what would you choose? The, well, the drop off gives you a lot of free time yeah. <laughs> later in life. I i think i think ultimately everything worked out for the best i do think that um because our first album and we even now that that i've been doing press for this record i just find our records always get described in very different ways like people i did like a you know like a full day of like european press a couple weeks ago and literally back-to-back people from germany and italy and stuff like somebody would say like you know what i like about this album it's just fun, it's light, it's apolitical. Thank mm. you, everybody's trying so hard now. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm like a eager-to-please type person, so I was kind of like, hey, yeah, thanks. thanks. And then another guy, not, another guy that was like, you, this yeah. album's so heavy. Is, was this influenced by the fact that you campaigned for Bernie Sanders? Like, Donald Trump looms large on this record? And I was kind of like, uh. But anyway, so, people <laughs> well, often, yeah. so I think our first album especially, some people thought it was like, some people interpret it in an intellectual way, but a lot of people really thought it was... Uh, slight, lightweight garbage. That I think for the haters, that's the garbage really...
0: like the band garbage, which is great.
2: Yeah, the great band garbage. <laughs> so people answered. loved it. Yeah, I like garbage. No, I well, I think the and I can understand like us being kind of like young and fresh faced and wearing like preppy clothes. Like if you if you don't want if you don't want to give us a little bit of benefit of the doubt that we have a sense of humor and maybe we we're not that different from you. If you don't want to do that, I could understand looking at it and be like, is this like a novelty record or something?" So they thought right. it was just a trifle. Well, so I, I think there. And some I,
0: people only like, like heavy things as well. Like I, yes. When I changed the name of my podcast from Comedy Death Rate to Comedy Bang Bang, I lost ten percent of the listeners because people were like. I like comedy Death Ray because it's dangerous mm, and comedy so Bang Stupid. Bang is is a silly name. What are you doing? And and
2: they I, just hear it so differently. And now.
0: I intentionally wanted to change it to something sillier because I yeah. wanted to have more fun, you know, yeah. rather than, you know, be like a hard kind of death yeah, kind of yeah, thing, yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, well, that was an intentional thing. Uh, but that, that there were people who were like, I'm never listening ever again. <laughs> because of that, some people just only like things that are like hard and fucked up.
2: Yeah, and I think they... <sighs> And it doesn't mean that there aren't hard, fucked up moments in in something that's presented as light. Sure, but but that's the thing. It, but if the
0: overall aesthetic is not hard and fucked up, there are people like you know who will say Phil Collins, "Fuck you" or whatever because it's not you know heavy,
2: right? You know. Well, and that's why it's that's why it's funny when people hear like an ABBA song. Like my, one of my favorite ABBA songs is uh, "The Winner Takes It All," mm-hmm. yeah, which wonderful. is wonderful. And then you read about the history of that song. That was at the moment when. Similar to Fleetwood Mac, all the marriages were breaking up, and mm-hmm. and, it's, and it was then, all about who gets the house. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it might have literally been about that, but there's also it's it's sim, It has a very similar tone to me to "I Will Always Love You," mm-hmm. another song that with the Whitney Houston version in the '90s. Some people might have been like, "Oh, pop music," but they, I hated it back in the '90s. I was like, right. It, plus, everyone karaoke. I right? pretended not to like it, but I I loved it and, deeply. And <laughs> both of those songs, they have this really interesting um, perspective where. It's it's not a typical like fuck you you broke up with me song. It's it's literally about this is going to happen. This it, they're both almost the eventuality about the, of they're almost about like the a relationship. Uh, yeah, and understanding just like the inherent like suffering and being a person because I, I will always love you is like this is I know you. I hope you're happy. This is this is how it's got to be. Yeah. I'm not even fighting against it. And the winner takes it all is uh is almost like. They're trying to be nice to the other person who maybe broke up with them. I don't want to talk if it makes you feel bad. Uh, and then it's basically like, I feel bad that you're seeing me so tense. No self-confidence. Mm. It, it's like such actually a complex, right. weird feeling where it's kind of like, this is like brutal, but I still, I feel bad for you. I don't want you to feel bad. Huh. And they're, so anyway, I just feel like sometimes you hear a song like that and you're, and you just kind of realize that that's. That's as deep as as anything. Right. And it sounds super happy and big. Well, and, it's the same like, thing, oh, yeah, with like,
0: say, Born in the USA, which because mm. of the aesthetics of that record in 1980, when did it come out? Three, four? Mm-hmm. Four. Uh, I was really not into Bruce Springsteen. and I mm. had a girlfriend who was like, loved Bruce Springsteen, went to all his concerts, and I was like, fuck Bruce Springsteen. I had a lot of music conversations <laughs> yeah, with my girlfriends Bruce where I was like, fuck you. And but it, it was simply because of the like sort of fist pumpy aesthetics of that. I didn't really know any. Uh, I was uh, fourteen at the time. I didn't really know the history of Bruce Springsteen. I didn't know any of his records. Right. That was the first one I'd ever heard, and I was just like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. Um, and she had heard. You know, she was a big fan from from earlier. Right. So I think sometimes the aesthetics of a song, like if it's too poppy, can get in the way of a message because if you really l- look at those lyrics of Born in the USA, they're very heavy and very dark.
2: Lost a brother at Kaisan. Super heavy. Oh, I'm so well, sorry. And oh, I thought no, you were just talking. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thought we'd change subjects. L- can I, luckily, can... I didn't get drafted. But I was just going to say, yeah. you are talking about uh, the from Death Ray to Bang Bang, uh, just cha- changing the name and how just even like literally the packaging, not even the aesthetic
0: Yeah, pack- nothing changed just, about
2: the show at all. Yeah, and And even with Bruce or something, you know, there's this interesting relationship, music journalists always talk about between the previous album, Nebraska, and that, because he wrote some of the Born in the USA songs, around the same time as Nebraska. So the right. early version of Born in the USA is, like, stark acoustic. And then you look at those two records, which, at the end of the day, the lyrical content, it's all classic Bruce. It's yeah. about, like, life in America and, like, the pain of, uh, you know, being grind, ground, grinded down by the system and mm-hmm. stuff. The working man. But then man. Nebraska... The crack of the... B- has, has that, like... <laughs> and the crack of the bat. The, and Nebraska has that, like, kind of blurry black-and-white photo. It's, like, so artsy and tasteful. And then, I mean, the... Born USA is sick. It's any any It's but, a picture of his butt, but it is it's it, a picture of a butt with a bright flag behind it, with a bright
0: flag, it. and you can kind of see his butthole, like the out, the, sh- the outline <laughs> no, of it through you? his jeans. Yeah, yeah. You can see. And because has <laughs> got a, a big butt, there's a baseball cap in one of the pockets, right? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. covering the butt, covering the butthole, covering the butthole right. but you can kind of see how you big it is. It it's, <laughs> it's a he's a
2: gaper, and it's <laughs> and it's a red baseball cap too. It's not even yeah. It's like a power tie color black But I I really think about that too. How even like album covers like our album that got the probably the most taken the most seriously and maybe because Was it, it the last one with it, the black with a, and white cover? black and white cover and right. I think about that a lot because on this album I really wanted to break from the photo tradition and it's just like this drawing of the earth and, and right. some fans as soon as they saw it before they even heard the record were just like hate it, this sucks.
0: Right. Well, can I ask so and, and we're and we're going to talk to you, Jake. I swear to oh, God. Oh, it's all good. But can I ask about the aesthetic because I was wondering about it too because a lot of people were like well, uh, now that uh, Rostam's gone the aesthetic is suddenly different. Right. Is, was it a conscious tra- It reminds me when I look at that I looked at the cover today and I was like this sort of reminds me of uh, records from 84 and 5 yeah, you know where like a where, big audio dynamite cover or uh, something sort of yeah you know like I I, I it's interesting when you look sometimes uh, it's interesting to me to to see the style of album covers throughout years like if it like I have this theory that if you look at Boomtown Rats album covers Mm -hmm. you can you can see every style of every other band from the from from punk to the late 80s they did every single one like the the weird scratchy first record that's punk you know Mm -hmm. through like the gauzy annie Leibowitz type you know 80s photo where they're all they all have mullets and and trench coats and you know it's very posed but um yeah it reminds me of something from the 80s so when i see it i'm like oh yeah that's that's funny that reminds me of uh i I can't remember. I don't know exactly what is reminding well, that, me yeah, of Yeah, to but, me, I,
2: I thought of it a little bit definitely some late 80s like UK rave mm-hmm, type mm-hmm, imagery. Okay. So but I, yeah. But also Happy to me, Mondays type stuff. I love that okay. stuff. And to me, I also so there's a slight like just kind of like 90s eco vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting to me to think about how kind of sad it is that. That I remember growing up in the '90s and everything was save the rainforest and Earth Day. Yeah,
0: maybe it reminds and, me of a PIL record a cover record? as well. That's
2: what I meant, not Big Audio diamond. Oh okay. yeah, PIL. Yeah, they <laughs> also have something with the, the circular. Yeah, dust. yeah, yeah. But with they, the big white space on it as well. Yeah, right. And also, yeah. there's something I loved about like, because of course I talked to people who are like, maybe you should get a photo of the Earth. Maybe we should vibe it out. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want raw digital white. Yeah, right. And I, I picked the first album cover. It was a Polaroid that somebody took at our uh, a concert we played with the Chandelier. And so it's a Polaroid. It's it doesn't get any vibeier than that, right? But I, I sw- and I understand with the fans, and it's the same thing with the music a little bit too. You're always walking this fine line where you're like, I know that in the short term, you'll give me a little more props if I give you something that sounds familiar, but right? Long- but you also sonically want to experiment, and you also know that long term, when whatever the the initial reaction might be, and I swear, even on our first three albums, every time we come out with a new song, there'd be somebody being like. there'd be people saying it sounds exactly the same or it sounds too different. Right. You kind of can't win. You only win in the long term where you actually keep pushing forward. So when I look at the first three records and how we went from a vibey Polaroid to another vibey Polaroid to like a New York Times black and white like very tasteful photo. Right. And I just pictured that trajectory continuing. I was like, literally, like, what, what's next? Like War photography? Right. We're just going to get deeper and <laughs> right, darker. Right, right. And there's something about it where I also look back and I'm like, those are very tasteful records in a mid-2000s way. And just to me, they're not tasteful anymore. And to me, doing something a little like weird and graphic just felt fresher to me. And when I look at all the imagery from this record, I'm like, this feels like 2019. But it's, yeah, it's it's always like a funny line because I think, and say, especially when there's like changes in the band, people are always looking to understand why things are different. Right. And sometimes I want to be, but like, sometimes well, it's let's...
0: just they're different because we want to do something different. And
2: also, want to sometimes want to say, well, it's different because it's six years later. Yeah. Right. It's like, and also, I, I like the idea of leaving those as 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 kind of a trilogy. They're all made when I was in my twenties. They're like this kind of from youth to a kind of heavy quarter life crisis. And I was like, yeah, but kind of time time do goes. Do you
0: really on. think that you're going to live to be hundred years old?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's I, a good point about that, Quarter you, Life Crisis. You are... Because it's 25, you, have, right? you are an optimist. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm your Quarter Life Crisis would have been more under 14. <laughs> I also you know? feel like... The, I think maybe seven.
0: The yeah. new record cover and the record itself, having only listened to it a couple of times, there's like a summary... Only a couple of times. ...a summary feel to it. And that album cover, it looks like something that would be... that would look great if we were listening to records sitting or laying around all summer... Mm. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like and the, something and the vinyl laying thing. around, yeah. Dude, the, the well, like, what you're listening to it, so the album is out. Wait, well, and you also, and him, yeah, the two of us <laughs> listening, <laughs> laying around all summer. <laughs> yeah, no, Just, but what do you, you know what I mean like, about when you listen like, to this record? It looks like a summer record.
2: Yeah, me. I could see that, and it's also a, um, it, it's also actually a double album. So the, the interesting thing. Um,
0: oh yeah, because it's like sixty minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's. Fit, I got it just enough. Is it to based 60. on that TV show, Sixty Minutes?
2: Yeah, that was the initial inspiration. Interesting. Couldn't did, quite get to sixty.
0: Did, did you get Andy Rooney involved <laughs> for like the last song? Mike Wallace sing, sings back up. <laughs> Interesting.
2: Just kidding. Well, we. Well, now this is another thing. When you guys actually look look at the vinyl, when you open it up, there is a very vibey, tasteful. Photo that this great photographer Monica Mogi took of uh Danielle Heim, who's all over the record when we were all in Japan. Does she
0: sing, by the way, the uh sort of duet song? She sings
2: all the yeah, all the duets. Okay. So yeah, because three, are there three duets on the uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that underpins the whole thing is these three duets with Danielle, and she also sings backup on like almost every song, right? But she there is this very vibey, kind of mysterious photo, but there's just this part of me t- also, maybe it's just a kind of Instagram hangover, right. Where I'm just like.
0: Like, everyone's doing, everyone's putting filters on their photos yeah, now. Exactly. Everyone's trying to be, like, and you just wanted to do something that was like contrary. It's the contrarian.
2: Yeah, age. I guess it's also to me, it's just, I mean, maybe it almost sounds boring when I put it this way. I mean, to me, the earth and the white background, it's a very simple image, but also on an 18 song, it's like Bruce, the river is actually one of his most boring albums. Yeah. It was an outtake photo from a few years ago. They <laughs> showed the river. Yeah. It's, I love the river. No, that's I love my, it that's too. That's my, my favorite. But idea. to me, the, the river was a big inspiration for this album mm. being, you know. A, jer- a, double. A, a mid-career jersey boy right. making a double album where i was like that's an album that the whole world of the album it's it's about the songs it's like so full and long and and you know kind of silly songs next to super serious and i right. was like that's what i love and again the idea so i like the idea that the symbol of the album is just something incredibly plain and plain simple and, and basic right and there was yeah and again yeah with the inter- it, I, I remember when these things started popping up in the mid 2000s even before instagram because they ripped off another app called hipstamatic that was right. the first one yeah thing. i love oh, it yeah i still and, have it on my phone and so that was when that first came out that was amazing because i think the early 2000s era of digital photography everybody's getting a little grossed out by it. they're like what happened to the grain and all yeah, that stuff right. and then you know that had a good Well the early
0: 2000s digital photography i had a certain camera that would put a green it would be black and white except the background and it would be green <laughs> really? that's what i really think about for, for in 2005 and then yeah. earlier than that it had the streaks of light ever those cameras were always doing like the any light that was in the in the frame they would mm. like streak it through that's what i think about there it. was I mean, also the really lomo fun. did you guys ever get a <clears throat> little lomo camera before are, it was oh, pre
2: digital that was a film camera yeah, yeah yeah yeah. right oh yeah that would almost give you kind of like a 50s 60s look it would but then you would have to get it developed <laughs> and wait so mm. it was completely the label. thing
0: about album covers to me is like you look at uh, bruce spring some of them are some of them are very thought out and then some of them, you look at Bruce Springsteen, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and it's like, hey, I can only imagine the conversation between him and the photographer where yeah. it's like, okay, Bruce, what is your album called? It's called Darkness mm-hmm. at the Edge of Town. It's or it's about, you know, the darkness that's within a man's soul. Okay, yeah, this is my mom's kitchen. Just stand right over there. I'm going to take one picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You zip, know? Up, zip up your leather jacket, but only an inch and a half <laughs> yeah. at the bottom. You know, <laughs> like, what are they thinking? And then well, others seem so belabored no, over it. No, that's
2: a great point, too, because, like, You picture (laughs) how iconic uh, Born to Run is. Beautiful, like yeah. They yeah. went to the photo studio, yes. white yeah. background, so iconic. To, like a clads. lot of
0: poses, I would yeah. imagine.
2: They probably took so many pictures, mm-hmm. and just the, the quality of it is beautiful art mm-hmm. photography. It almost looks like Ansel Adams or Richard right. Avedon took it or something. So this beautiful, and the font is that thin, born-to-run yeah. font is super tasteful. And then you think about the next two. It's like darkness on the edge of town, snapshot in the kitchen, and yeah. then the river. The river is it's just it's like headshot. He he it's like his face on the river. Yeah, it's like,
0: should I
1: take yeah. any of this photo like I, from the neck down at all? I feel like the river's an out. Ah, who's that? Jesus, I've oh. been... <laughs> Oh my God, Jake! Jake you're I back. I almost feel like the so river sorry. is an outtake from the darkness sessions. Yes, I think that's I feel true. I feel oh, like that might that, be from the memoir. Vaguely, right?
2: The, so the cover of the river—they didn't even take that year. It's just like an old. Uh, it's just like,
0: slap an old photo on here. It almost
2: looks like it's blown up a little too much. Like, yeah. yeah. Although
0: I do, I do, I the font is really good of the river. I yeah, do that, like, like that font because they used it, you know, on the ties that bind and everything like that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a cool font when you see like a instead of just one. Word that's five letters long, river. Like if you see a lot of words
2: done with it, like on the reissues no, and stuff. Cool. It's, it's like it's a handwritten. Cool font. But also, I even wonder at the time when people saw that, were yeah. they like, is this like a monster movie? Right, right. I'm just saying by by the standards of. Do you think he's a mon? You think he's maybe a monster? This is but it's monster. weird
0: because, like you were saying, the the that album is so expansive and epic, and and they capture
2: none of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, in the, of the feeling of it, but it may be like a reaction to the previous thing, yeah, like like right. what, like well, sort of what you're doing. With and the also new record. I also
2: feel like the if the music is complex and going in all these different directions, maybe simplify the album yeah. cover. Like yeah. when I picture, if I if I could have had the chance to put like an epic photo of New York City on the cover of this album, I would have felt like it's too much. It's like the yeah. album is a big city. Do you want world. people
0: to think about New York City when they listen to your songs, or can you think about you know anywhere else? Um, Can you think about like a Dairy Queen in the middle of the country? Maybe? Definitely. Would that be cool in
2: upstate New York? It's okay. got to be New York. All right, it's got to no, be New no, York. No, York. It's got to be New, New York no, no, upstate I, New York. I, what I'm, about uh, just- no? I'm open to I'm open to wherever. I, uh, the, on, on this record, a couple maybe because sometimes like you talk to journalists and they come they come here from other places and they see I'm here living in L. A. Now and they'll be like this feels like a real L. A. Album. That's the one thing I always got a little edgy right, about. Where I'm right. like not really. Right. I mean, you know, is
0: that I, because the the music is maybe slightly more major key and produced a little more brightly? And they go, oh, yeah, it's more like the sun. See, it's hard to write about music.
2: I, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I think, may, well, look, understandably, and these, you know, these are people who are like going, have deep music knowledge. So, sure. Uh, but they're also, they need stuff to write well, yeah, about. Yeah, no, of course they need stuff to write about. But also, they, uh, I guess I get nervous because when you say an LA album, it, you're also suddenly positioning it in in this history of of the eagles and, yeah exactly and i'm kind of yeah. like i love that stuff but i'm like that wasn't exactly the intention the vibe. um somebody described it as being a more american album than the previous and i thought that was interesting uh-huh hmm. all right well I how would that. you like who cares about those jerks what do you describe it as um
0: the by the way the album we haven't even said the title it's something from oh, the 90s right it's sex in the city what is it sex in the city Sex and the City, the it's new Sex Vampire Weekend, uh,
2: Father of the Bride, Father of the Bride. That's um, right. When I yeah, when I describe the album, it's and I've been very careful up until this point. Now I can, but now the album's out. You can yeah, just let can loose because I get so uptight when I'm talking to people before the album. I don't want to over contextualize it for the fans. Yeah, but now everyone's
0: I mean, like, it's been out for been, five days. At yeah. this point, people have made up their, they've minds. Made up their minds. They've they're I listening mean, to something else at this point.
2: I, to, what I wanted this album to be was. The River was a huge inspiration, a big double album about the the personal, interpersonal relationships that, and and just a snapshot of life in those moments and also about getting older a little bit. This is the first album I made in my 30s, so I definitely had a slight existential thing where I was kind of like, how do I keep telling this story in a way that doesn't feel embarrassing? How can you actually find... You know, because especially when we first came out, so the songs with the names like Oxford Common, Mansard Roof—it's like you, it was exciting. And but you can't do that forever. So can I? Was, I had to really say, can, can I write like songs about like, you know, adulthood and life into my thirties? It's not because right. I've there are a lot of people I was a fan of. I'm a fan of who didn't had a hard time with that transition. So I really had to look who are the songwriters I look up to who actually did that. So th- there's an element of that in terms of the music. I've been I, I've been hesitant to like say it too much because I want people to read into it ever they want but a lot of my thoughts on this record were how can we dig into classic rock and still make something forward thinking Mm -hmm. I just think bringing up classic rock would have overly contextualized the album where people suddenly
0: suddenly get a feeling about it of like it's like like the Eagles or whatever. instead, like you have stuff like Madchester Bongos on a couple of the songs. right. And so
2: you almost like if, if that's the reference somebody picks up on instead of the Allman Brothers, great. great. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Right. But definitely on this album, there's a lot of I wanted it to be more expensive dip into classic rock without falling in, and just be shaggier. So, like, there's a song, How Long, on the record that's, like, it's a, in some ways a very classic Vampire Weekend austere minimalist song. It mm-hmm. starts with just bass, bum, 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 bum. And then I just kept listening to it, and I was like, back in the day I would have left it totally empty. And then I just wanted somebody to, like, noodle a little bit. Like, yeah, just I yeah. mm. suddenly I, I, I saw... Whereas I was younger, again, probably reacting to something, I wanted everything to be austere. And the idea of, like, filling in the blanks with noodles. Actually, Jake has a good noodle on the record, on the song this oh, night. Oh,
0: yeah, I saw you in the credits. Jake comes oh, in really? for a second. Hell, yeah. 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 On bam, one, of the, one of the last bam, songs bam, bam.
1: or something? or uh, later. Th- or something? I don't know the sequence of the album.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, track four, this life. Okay, oh, track great. four. But I just kind of realized, like, yeah, suddenly those things that used to feel, like, annoying Like to rules
0: me. to you, almost yeah. like?
2: I know that a lot of bands, when
0: they start, they're like, they have rules. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> where it's like, we do not do this, we do not do this, we do not do I this. said no t-shirts on stage. Oh, wow. Oh, that really? really?
2: Yeah, in the early days, because I was like, That's Vampire funny. Weekend. We're not a t-shirt band. We're not band. a t-shirt band. We need yeah. to be, like, a tiny bit Did you address
1: footwear or, or pants? Um, a hard shoe?
0: Did you make everyone have a hard shoe on? So you guys definitely Leather. came out with a with a look that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. it
2: was a conscious and that and also some of the that's that stuff inspired me a little bit. Yeah, if it was, someone was got
0: too hot and they had a t shirt on under their button up, would you allow them to strip off the button up and reveal the t shirt underneath?
2: I think it happened, but at the time, mm. I also used to be. I also used to hate above all. I don't know why. It's like you know, you're in your early twenties and you just have something that. I always hated the t-shirt under the collared shirt look. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. kind of like. It's not a good look. I was like the <laughs> collar. Let's see that collarbone. Shirt, the collared shirt, that V, <laughs> is meant to show your collarbone, your chest. Mm-hmm. Your that chain. little, that
0: sexy part under your uvula.
2: Yeah, I just always felt like the, the t-shirt under, it's neither here nor there. It's like, what are you, what are you going you. for? Thank you. Thank you so much. But now. Actually, I still feel that way.
0: But now when you guys, you guys are about to tour, what can people wear now? People can wear whatever now. Really? Well,
2: also, now we have seven this is people. Big we have, news! We have seven people on stage, so I think. when yeah, you, you guys have two drummers now. Yeah, we got right? two drummers. When you have seven people on stage and they dress too similarly, it looks like a cult. Yeah, yeah, it looks uncomfortable. So I think with seven people, you want it to be a bit of a motley crew. Did you put not, out not an? The band.
0: Did you put out an email though of any stripe of like, here's what's acceptable, here's what's not acceptable?
2: I, I'll, I'll say. Well, the funny thing is, I'm, I. I, it's almost embarrassing. I feel like it's cliche now, but I'm like, I'm a big mood boarder.
0: Mm. Uh, you know, every like, every okay. album,
2: every album, I have a folder on my desktop that has so you So you cut many out images. pictures
0: from like TV guide and stuff
2: and <laughs> the, homes the, the, and gardens. The new version is so much, it's literally just like going on Tumblr and going like zip. And I've right. seen a lot of musicians do this. And then the funny thing is you start to develop a world, like all the, the imagery, like we were talking about the album cover and we had all these kind of glyphs created by this, uh, a uh, graphic designer named Brendan Ratzlaff, and so we have all these like very specific, and we put Sony Music on everything, which mm. was also a bit divisive. But I love that.
0: I like it. <laughs> too. I noticed that that on all the singles and the record, that's like it's the Strokes music, putting right?
2: RCA on. Yeah, the they era, went for the, the old RCA. Yeah. I I like the Sony Music, just like yeah, maybe is more it the like newer ones or or is it an older? The, they well, actually, their logo involves this kind of red. Uh, paint brush stroke. Right. They let me get rid of it just because I didn't Oh, that's nice. That was nice of them. At first I wanted just to say Sony and I'm talking like the Le- thing Sony So Music.
0: it looks. So it almost looks like, you know, you're looking at a receiver or like an amplifier yeah, or something. Yeah, no, because
2: there's just something about <laughs> Sony that also represents some kind of nostalgia that I think yeah, is right. part of this album. But I remember at the time they were like, you're not signed to Sony. Sony makes home electronics yeah. and Playstations. You're signed to Sony Music. And I was like, it is the same company though. You can put Sony Music. Although one time... Shout out to Rob Stringer, the head of Sony Music. I was at this like Grammy event, and I saw him there, and he was sitting at a table with the uh, Japanese chairman of Sony. And he introduced him to me, and he was like, Ezra loves Sony. And the guy was like, really? And he was like, show him the album cover. And I showed him the album cover, and he was like, really? And apparently he brought it up later, and he was like, that's like really respectful, that's cool that he like. Wow. That's great
0: that's incredible well look I could talk to you about the new album forever and well, in fact well, we might I, We I might. Actually, no you hold on I have a question no we have, we have to go to a break I don't even want to ask the question okay but so go so it's ahead. fine no no you don't want to okay we do have to go to a break yeah, let's go to a break when we come back I swear we'll talk not only about R.E.M. but we'll talk to Jake let's get some uh, Jake action yeah exactly <laughs> uh, we're gonna be right back with more Are You Talking R.E.M. review hey now Welcome back. Are you talking to Ari? i Me, Ezra Koenig is here, Jake Longstreth, and uh, they are from Time Crisis, uh, which we are going to be on as well. I don't know yeah. if they're coming out on the same day or on a different day. What
2: day do you guys come out on? Usually Sunday, right? Yeah, our show is on Sundays every <laughs> Sundays at noon Pacific time every two right. weeks.
0: So we'll have to figure out who comes first. Maybe you know. we can time it so they come out at the exact like on the exact same nanosecond. They're Yeah, the, yeah, we'd have to go to the world clock, I feel like. Yeah. We would but, have to But uh, we'd have to get someone in Switzerland. Yeah. No, no, you guys should come out first because this is
2: this let's Because this well, as
0: chronological as well. This we is part of it. sure, one sure, sure. Okay, sure. so you will I know you come out every other week though too. We'll figure all this out. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know what I was reading about speaking about the world clock and stuff like this, but you know how how the concept of the pound Yeah is all based on, like, some rock or something that every country keeps one. No. Yes, every country keeps, like, a rock that weighs exactly a pound, and that's how everyone knows what a pound is. It's fucking Why? crazy. Why? In case gravity changes? They well, need to keep... You track. mean back well, because in the day? A, no, no, now. Because a pound is, like, a concept. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everyone needs to, like, figure out exactly what it is. Um, so every country has, like, one like of these rocks a somewhere. A pound is different in Denver... Or something. I don't, like, know, I really don't know. I, it was blowing my mind. And I feel like I'm talking about it from no a position people of ignorance. No one's think that
2: Freemasons control the world. That's true. Do you think They're that? They're literally sending bricks out. Right. <laughs> hey, maybe a brick. And t- saying what a pound <laughs> yeah. is.
0: All right. We have to talk about REM. And, you know, we. Wait. We, I, I want to ask. Wait, yeah. You a ask me a fucking question that you wanted to no, ask. No. Jesus Christ. Because the new. Who's the new the show. Who's the co host and who's the host? I think I'm the host. But yeah, go ahead no, and ask your question. No, we're both uh, co hosts. No. Is that yeah. what you think? Wait. You think that Wait a second. I'm a co-host. Wait a second. Can we can we talk about a, a private conversation? Yeah, you guys just turn right, you your turn, your, headphones turn your backs and cover your ears. Scott, um yeah. I don't mean to like make this weird or anything, but yeah. I was just wondering about the co-host. I I've always just assumed that Look, we were both co-hosts. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I've always assumed that too. I'm just trying to be a big shot in front of these guys. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I trying, get it. I'm trying to seem cool. Like, look at you. No, you seem cool. You're like a movie star and you're a TV actor. And Thank you, you for know, saying that I, I used to be a TV actor. I'm no longer a TV actor. Sure, I have. Okay. You know, an occasional guest spot. How about, this? Spot, but How about yes. this? I agree uh, that I'm the co host and you're the host, but we do. We just know. We know. Yeah, is. sure, okay, we know. Okay. We have an understanding, but okay. let, let me seem cool to these guys. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys, like, this, is, these are uh, New York musicians, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure where Jake's from. Maybe I'll get to ask him a question at some point if you I'm, I'm ever get you. your fucking questions I'll, out of the I'll, way. I'll bet you anything Jake has at least been to New York. That's a good question yes, to ask. Well, uh, see, this is why you're a great co-host, and you. I'm a good co-host, too. Thank you. All right. Hey, Okay, guys. You can come back okay. now. Okay. Um, Okay, thank we're you for walking up to the mic. <laughs> uh, uh, Scott is a host, and I'm the co-host. Just we've so that's what okay, we got it. Pretty cool, right? Got it. Me being a host, You're the right? Host. Yeah. <laughs> Just hey, tell Jake? them it's great. Jake, it's amazing. yeah, tell me it's great. Um, no, you were talking about okay, how. Excuse me, they were going to tell me it's great. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. You're the host. Thank you. All right, ask your question, then I have a question for Jake. You you were talking about the classic rock influences. Do you want to talk about what, in the past six years, kind of what you were getting into? Because I was hearing, especially in the duets, I was hearing, do you remember that period where The Dead had the female singer that was kind of up front? Oh, Donna. Yeah. And they had a couple. Donna. Like (laughs) Terrapin and another album where she was kind of all over it. And there was, this okay, was Sunrise. Is that the song one of her songs? Yeah. yeah. And this by the way, you've asked me a yes or no question, so please just answer yes or no. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? Yes, I'm happy to. Okay, thank you. All right, let's move on.
2: <laughs> no, what other like what other stuff were you kind of getting into? Well, it's funny, actually, also to bring it back to Jake, I've I've always said there's something like The Grateful Dead is very in a fashion sense, has been very on trend the past couple of years. Yeah. So I've been mm. al- almost tried to downplay it a little bit because the shirts have blown up so much, yeah. Which you know, if you ask me, has to do with also just the the cult around tie dye. So as tie dye becomes a bigger thing, you need is tie
0: dye becoming bigger? I oh, haven't it's seen massive. It. Is R- it really? Ralph okay. Lauren just
2: did a, a line of tie dye. Really? Everybody's doing <laughs> tie dye, and I think the Grateful Dead it, it's a nostalgia. I must have missed that catalog. So a lot of people really, even people who don't even remotely care about the Dead, got into that. And then of course you have John Mayer touring with Dead and Co. It's it's a whole thing. What do you think about and just a sidebar
0: about people wearing concert shirts? As as a fashion choice, not because they like the
2: band. It's cool with me. It's like funny. Okay, right. <laughs> it's it's fine. So it's people
0: ironically start wearing Vampire Weekend shirts. You're cool with it. Like ha, ah, look at me, I'm wearing if a Vampire if Weekend. If it's shirt. in like
2: ten years, I would I'll, never I'll, listen I'll to be these kind. Guys. I'll be kind of like, eh, it's getting the name out there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. well, um, it's great branding. Yeah, it's great branding. So, yeah. I uh, so the truth is, and you know, with the dead, I also have this kind of feeling where I'm like. You can't you can't sound like the Grateful Dead. It's like you could sound like their influences, country, funk, whatever, but the only way to sound like the Grateful Dead it's it's almost so specific, but one thing that I've I've said in some interviews is actually a bigger influence to me and I'm not being facetious here. I don't know if I've quite said this to you Jake. Bigger influence to me rather than the Grateful Dead the band is Jake's Grateful Dead cover band, which used to <laughs> oh, be called Dick Picks and Richard Pictures. <laughs> and the truth Because and, really? and and when amazing. when when did a Dick Picks start? Uh 2014. So I remember seeing some very yeah. early shows. And and I would say 2014. You were at the first show. I was at the first show. And that was <laughs> so 2014 was of course the Grateful Dead always has the most dedicated fans on earth. Mm-hmm. But that was a little bit before I would say the fashion moment happened. Where it truly became fashionable to be into the dead and wear and you know pay four hundred dollars for a Grateful Dead shirt. So I just remember seeing them and I, I had this and twenty fourteen was a funny time. It was like those years after our third album. I had a real sense of kind of like accomplishment, but also kind of like completion. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, we did that, and also there was so much chatter about how like the indie wave that we were a part of was over. Huh. Right. You know, not and not in some like mean-spirited way where people are like you guys are over. I just in a more general sense, people are like, yep. And that Coachella is- the booking kind of changed. Yes, exactly. And- the, yeah, ex- great examples. So, like the bookings of festivals are changing, and suddenly some of these like beloved bands they are dropping albums, and people are like, well, that proves that there's no gas left in the tank. And that's around the time where I was also just ready to take a break and dip out anyway. But I'd, I had this feeling like, and so many people that I knew were so much more interested in uh, working in pop music. Which I totally get, and I... I you were, and you produced a little bit for,
0: of Lemonade.
2: Uh, yeah, so yeah, even mm. I had my, my, my taste of it, um, which, it, you know, it's amazing to be a part of, like, I, th- I think a great artist is a great artist across genres. What are the checks like from Lemonade? Well, there, uh, I'll just put it this way. There's, uh, I think there's, at the end of the day, there's 17 writers on it. Sure. But I, at least I'm one of three producers.
0: But, I mean, so it must have sold 17 times more anything that you've sold in Vampire Weekend. Am I wrong?
2: <sighs> the album? Well... That album's not on. And that's Spotify. not a
0: slam. That's not a
2: slam. Oh, because it's on title. I Tidal. think it's fair. Oh yeah, it's on title. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Beyonce is a bigger artist than Vampire. I'm going to yeah. check. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen <laughs> times though. I
0: don't know. Maybe times. The I don't know. No one sells records any, anymore anyway. So I don't even know what I'm saying. But I, I would just imagine that getting on. It's like you know when I was working with Bob Odenkirk. Like every once in a while, he would get a check from uh, like. An Adam Sandler record because he wrote some of the lyrics of Lunch Lady, you know.
2: And oh, yeah, it was those are multi platinum. Yeah,
0: and I would like he'd go, ah, God damn it! Here's another check from fucking Lunch Lady. No, the, he would not. He yeah, would yeah. not be that mean about. It, but that's just my Bob. He'd go, God damn it! He'd open it up
2: and I'd be like, Jesus fucking Christ! Oh, I'm sure. Well, you know? I, I think for a lot of musicians, ultimately cuz the 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 revenue from songs can come in waves like you can get something could be in a big commercial and suddenly that's right. the equivalent of getting streamed a billion times cuz stream, right. streams are so paltry so the truth is i feel i will like,
0: say 3 people have texted me recently that they've gotten a $800 check from comedy bang bang that's from, not bad from like that's actually uh, pretty good no because it's not chain. been on the show for like I think HBO showed it or something or there's it's a, playing somewhere in the world. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but like three people have been like this is the biggest check that, that I've ever received from yeah. this show. Right, because residual with TV wise.
2: stuff you hear about people getting like I got a check for yeah. 3 cents. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right? My dad was in King Kong, the 70s one. Whoa. He would he would literally get like 25 cent checks and yeah. would be like, "Ah, this is so funny."
2: <laughs> but i was just going to say with like music revenue. I, there is there's a sense that you generally have and especially if you don't I don't like parse through everything where it really is about especially as a songwriter it's about your catalog you have a little bit you did a little bit on that song a little bit on that it's especially in the streaming era it's it's more about like what is the you just try to build a catalog. You can't right. pin your hopes to one. Well, Plus, one. when you
0: have a Beats 1 contract for this show that you guys do, group, like who, yeah. who cares about the money? At this point, no, are exactly. you even
2: looking at checks? No, that's my primary. But, <laughs> but even though <laughs>
0: that's the that's the atmosphere now, Father of the Bride is definitely an
2: album with a kind of rise and a fall to it.
0: Yeah, well, let's yeah. get back to what you were talking Wait, about, about 2014. Saying. Oh, no, 2014. I was
2: talking about the – yeah, so 2014. The I, dick there's, there's just Everybody was so uh, anti-guitar music and – you know and I, I think and everything
0: is, is this clean you know pop with loud drums and yeah. You know, yeah
2: and I like all that stuff I, I I truly don't draw a distinction between great songwriting in any genre and of and course it seems like
0: co- with Coachella and festivals that as soon as they got good sound systems and they started putting on DJs everyone was like well live drums sound shitty compared to just playing a record
2: it, you know I mean, super, it, it really can be hard I mean, you know it's a mean? real art form to make to make live perform music sound as good as, right. as that stuff but I, there was, just, yeah, there was just so much kind of like anti-guitar music stuff. And I was kind of like, you know, again, like I said, I, I had, it felt like we had this great three album run and I was a little bit checked out, like just ready to go live life. So I was like, uh, ah, who cares? And it, it right, just happened to be a good time to take a break yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. I just turned 30. There's so many reasons why.
0: And then you wander and, into, I, I don't know where you were playing, Staple Center or?
1: <laughs> Pear Space. Yeah, what's it called? It's, uh, it, was, it was called Pear Space. No longer In exists. Uh, historic Filipino town Oh, Historic Filipino town yeah. Thank you um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and that's so where Jake that. was playing? And, yeah. and, you know, like I've Again, I've One Almost all of my My close friends The one thing they have in common Is that they're very passionate About music It's not always the same music And that's why, you know When we do the show It's like fun Because Jake's fairly I think it's fair to say Fairly checked out On a lot of new pop music Oh, absolutely Whereas I'm a little more Like I might know You know yeah. I know the people Who are like in that world So I, I have like a Have to be a little more Checked in but I just had this feeling when I first saw you guys, and you know I've always liked the Grateful Dead. Um, you know, like any any good East Coast person, it's like you know. And we'll talk about the Grateful
0: Dead you on like, your show. Is that what I'm yes, hearing? Yes, I
2: think so. So you, whatever you okay. like, you like the Dead. Growing up, it's like when I, growing up in New Jersey, it's like the cool kids with wore North faces like the Dead. So you like the Dead. I wasn't definitely. I definitely wasn't into, like deep. Like what, what are your top five? Uh, you know, Scarfire. You know, th- it wasn't like that. But I, I like the Grateful Dead. So then, but then I see them. And just seeing you guys playing, I just realized that maybe it was also indie had become so kind of bloated and overly ambitious. And then I saw you guys playing True Love of the Game, like a cover band. And I just, and <laughs> I hadn't seen people play guitars with joy <laughs> in yeah. maybe five or six years. And I really had this moment, and I, I, maybe I didn't say it to you. Well, then I also saw you guys play at the, what was that thing out in um, uh, Agora Hills, that, that weird art fair? Jeez! Remember, it was like at a, like a weird Wild West Park town. Was it the Agora Hills Art Fair,
0: or been. was it the Cowboy Town Agora Hills Hills Fest? That's not ringing a bell.
2: No, you guys played outdoors. Maybe you were playing with somebody else. I, I don't, don't know. I just remember early, yeah, a bunch yeah. of Early Dick pictures. I it Was either a point. dream
1: you had, or is it was a totally?
2: different I might have band. dreamed it. Yeah, we got to I can't
0: remember
1: the all the shows from twenty fourteen. Right. This might be, We might. You've be on played to,
0: so many shows that you don't on, remember
2: an Agora Hills we Cowboy might, Town. We might We're, be on to twenty fifteen by now. Okay. But
0: <laughs> oh, is that the holdup? You yeah. thought it was in twenty fourteen, but, <laughs> but actually, I just okay. remember.
2: I just remember saying to some. Maybe I didn't say it to you. Maybe I'm too stingy with the compliments. But I just said to somebody, I was like, "This is the best." This is the most exciting rock band that I've seen in years. And it's Jake's Grateful Dead cover band. And I know, like, I know it might sound like I'm splitting hairs by saying, like, well, I don't want to give it up for the dead. No, of course I'll give it up for the <laughs> dead. But it, it but it truly, it's more. And to me, the Grateful Dead is just so much about Jerry's playing that that the idea of being like, yeah, we're very inspired by them. It's like, yeah, you're you're like, it's like being inspired by one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, you sure. can't, you can't do it. Yep. But there was something about you guys and just like the the musicianship the the love of the game just the fact that you were doing it it, it was like a a happier vibe your experience than any like big indie show i'd been to in a long time so i think it just that planted a seed i wasn't even working on the record then but i think it planted a seed a little bit where i kind of gave me some clarity that i was like listen music can be fun music can be fun it's amazing that i could even remotely be in a have the opportunity that my name will be on a Beyoncé record. I'll, of course, that that's one of the that'll be one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. But then when I look back to Vampire Weekend, look away from these other things that I've done, I look back to Vampire Weekend, and I realize like, is there some joy to be found in the limitations that we set out with, which were guitars? That suddenly st- stopped feeling like a. Uh, what would you say? an albatross around my neck? and actually right. started to seem like a cool challenge where I was kind of like, because i I really there was like a lot of confusion. I think people I really saw some like down in the dumps people who were just like,, hmm. you know, started out as a guitar band. sucks three years older if I was three years younger. I would have st- I would have been a DJ. There's a lot of that conversation wow. about yeah. D. And I also had another friend who's like a, just a very smart music guy who was talking about the rise of DJ culture, which he loved. He's not a negative guy, but he was like never. And I was never down about it. We would talk about that that kind of down in the dumps guitar guy yeah. or girl atmosphere, the indie person atmosphere. And actually, it's, it's, um, the and he he said something. He's like, you know, just keep in mind, like, there's always been DJ culture. This is hair metal right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And it it, it Mm -hmm. has its moment. Just the idea that any one thing dominates. So anyway, I would say in this very general sense, it kind of made me just in some very vague sense, because I know when some of our music came out, certain people were like, oh, it sounds like the Grateful Dead. sounds like jam bands. And I'll admit that that in a conceptual way brings me way more joy now. Like I I swear, listening to Grateful Dead and, and Fish. I, there is something about it that somehow ties the the past of of being an East Coast kid in with the future of being a guy who still plays guitar. There is something I love it about it. Doesn't
0: sound. I wouldn't say it sounds like like do not about think Harmony quite, Hall. The like guitar solo because yes, it doesn't so, sound like The Grateful Dead. But no. I thought it that has, sounded
2: very. Baroque. I wrote that on piano. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. it's very broke. But whatever. Some people. I'm not gonna obviously have so much respect. I'm not gonna sneeze at these comparisons. Yeah, yeah. But the. um I guess I I think, but maybe, does it
0: sound like the dick pics? That's what I think he's right. trying to say. Yeah, I was, it was <laughs> like, more it, a, do you it's think it's more if, of a
2: vibe inspiration? Yeah. The idea of letting things be—I I don't know—I always come I, crunchy. Almost seems like too overdetermined of a word. So I always come back to shaggy. Yeah. Letting things mm. be a little bit shaggy, because to me shagginess is also about like joy of of the joy of not having to. And I'm still, like, a brutal editor when it comes to production and, and uh, lyrics and stuff. But just the idea of leaving uh, a little bit of room for for life and surprise and and humor. Or something. And uh, you know when I was talking about, like, the, the trajectory of the album covers? Like, if you go from the Polaroid of a chandelier at a party to, like, a smoggy, intense day in New York, and I'm kind of like, eventually, do we just get to, like like tr- like war crime photography <laughs> right, I had this yeah, feeling just
0: pictures of mass graves
2: All Pot I <laughs> also, also <laughs> had this feeling too uh, where even just thinking about like the where the music could head and what would actually feel fresh but also like bring me some happiness I also had this feeling too of kind of like wanting to yeah like shake things up and leave and, and not for the music to get more and more intense and austere mm-hmm. and minimalist and, and kind of leaving some room for for life and, and musicianship I think maybe well, that's, that's the best great for the it.
1: live show too
2: yeah also the I mean, live show yeah we, we could have headed towards on a very basic level you only have so much money to spend you can either pay more musicians or you could do a true pop show and I was like and my feeling was like I actually respect pop music so much that the idea of hauling out a shitty Vampire Weekend pop show I, I admire the Ariana Grande's of the world. They, or they,
0: even Haim, you know, when they did Coachella last year, I think. Mm. You know, they did kind of more of a pop show. That, they did something that could fit within the parameters of like what people go to Coachella now for, as opposed to ten years yeah, ago. They, you know
2: what I mean? And they and they pulled it off greatly. And they know how to they know how to ride that line perfectly. But
0: for you guys, you wanted to come out there and just go, like, look, musicianship, fun. Let's let's Yeah, and
2: I think that's something else that took away from uh dick pics because you know just watching you and John very influential influential. (laughs) and I should point out the name is Richard Pictures now slightly less controversial okay good we got a little heat I think also had this and I've said this a couple of times but bears repeating that when we started out when I was kind of like an intense pretentious college student and me and Ralston first linked up and we're kind of coming up with our ideas the type of dude who would like shred on a guitar in his dorm room or like spend a lot of time at guitar center was so uncool. Yes, to, uh, yes. We needed to push against that. Right. We needed to be like, who cares that you're good at guitar? That's not what music's about. Like, music is about like simplicity and not someone going. Yeah, it's yeah. about like concept. It's, it's actually about leaving that stuff behind. Right. And then as I get older, I I don't know if it's it's nostalgia. It's also just like taste changing. That there's something about. It, it's, I don't know, it inspired me to like get better at guitar. I've never been that good at guitar, which it was a benefit in the beginning because I'd write these very simple parts like A Punk. Yeah. Yeah, didn't right.
0: Steve Lacey learn? Did I read that he oh, learned Oh, yeah, he how told to me that was guitar. the first
2: song he played a guitar. And then you watch wow. him play guitar and he, he has like these sophisticated jazz chords. And it's like, that's hilarious that that was the first song he learned. But yeah, there's just something about musicianship that rather than be kind of like down on the guitar center, dude, I increasingly started to see that as like a noble pursuit. Like, yeah. what else yeah. are you going to do? Life, well, life is so boring anyway. Just get good at guitar, even if you never, uh, even if you never like, even if there isn't room, even if the best thing you could hope for as a virtuosic guitarist now is to maybe be somebody's tw- like... You know, tour with Rihanna. She had for a long time. Rihanna had this like what, this shredder dude who, like, in another era, right. would have been. Well, my friend
0: toured with Gwen Stefani, who was uh, her guitarist for a while. He's this uh, Warren Fitzgerald from the Vandals. Uh, he's like a punk guitarist and like more, an, an incredibly virtuosic, mm. you know, guitarist. But then he's playing with Gwen Stefani and basically like just playing like <laughs> beep 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 beep, you know. Right. But they're friends, and that's why I went on it. And so, but it's but it's really interesting. Well, you got to like,
2: know you got to know how to do both, and and I think <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's like. It's like music and any kind of art form there's the the dialogue between simplicity and complexity is partially like how you tell the story put dipping into one or the other but yeah, there's just something about like little suddenly noodly stuff brought me joy it made me think just like being like ten years old springtime nineteen ninety four just being in like Vermont or something. Or it's
0: summer, like, hanging out with Adam, lying around in a field somewhere, listening, yeah, a, listening final to the-, the Yeah, record The year that
2: Father of the Bride came out, me and Adam spent a lot of time- to, right. yeah, That summer, we were- 2019, listening. wow.
0: <laughs> is there a direct line to the movie title, or where did- I know there's some songs that
2: have to do with- What's the subtitle
0: and, of Father of the Bride 2 again, or is it just Father of the Bride It's Father of the Bride, Bride, Bride Part 2. Just
2: part two. Oh, okay. I think there's something classic. It's like the Godfather part, part two. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. very classy when okay. you do part two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I can't even remember anymore. I think I might have seen it on TV or, or something. So of course, like um, you know, like anybody remotely who's around in the '90s, when I think of Father the Bride, the first thing I think of is the Steve Martin movie. Yeah. So I'm sure that probably I must have reminded me of the phrase. And then the I always like when when a phrase at first feels it's also it's like the album cover too I there's something i love when the first time you hear something or see something you're like this is stupid and then you just like <laughs> spend more time with it and you're like could there be something beyond and yeah. you know and also the sad part is some people will never get past that initial stupid feeling and you know their loss i guess and our loss but the i like that suddenly father the bride started to actually the a deeper meaning seeped into me and i was like father the bride it's about it doesn't even, beyond a wedding, It's like it, it seemed like biblical to me. It's about a, a huge moment of transition. Yeah. It's about the past and the future in one moment. And suddenly I was like, this is deep. And then I'd think <laughs> again about Steve Martin. I was like, I love the comedy." <laughs> lo- and maybe the movie's deep too. I actually haven't watched it in a, uh, a while. Well,
0: it's also, it could be the father of the bride of Frankenstein.
2: Whoa. That, oh, yeah. How, how so Dr. Frankenstein scary.
0: himself. Well, look, we've talked to you a lot about the album. It's great. It's really fun. Thank I, you. I've uh, Adam's only listened to it a couple of times. <laughs> well, you but only listened to it half of it. I listened listen to, yeah, to <laughs> half of it, but it was great. Um, and now I got to ask Jake, uh, you ever been to New York? <laughs> I lived there briefly. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Yes.
1: Yep.
0: Been there. Yeah. I was right. Okay, look, let's take one more break. When we come back, we got to talk about R.E.M. Is that okay? Can we talk about R.E.M.? All right, let's take one more break. We'll be right back with more Are You Talking R.E.M.? Remy, after this. We're back. Are you talking R.E.M. me. And speaking of R.E.M., we got to talk about him, the titular R.E.M. of this show. Uh, I guess, you know, I have – I was trying to think of what to ask you guys about R.E.M. because I know, you know uh, – R.E.M. isn't maybe necessarily the first thing that you think of when you think of Vampire Weekend. And, you know, Jake, you have a very sort of uh, tasteful classic rock uh, vibe. But so I guess the first,
1: <laughs> the first tasteful. Classic I'm glad I give off that vibe. That's you. Um, That's true, though.
0: So I guess the first question that I sort of like the first thing that pops in my mind that sort of made sense of what to really like, you know, to just really form the conversation and the prism through which we'll
1: we'll talk about it is that is when did you first hear of R.E.M.? I heard them, uh, I heard the song Stand. Stand? 1989. In in the place where you live. live. Okay. And what did you think of it? Um... I wasn't so keen on it. I guess I would have How old were you? May 12? I ask you that? You're 12 years Wait, old. Wait, did it come out in 89? Uh, it came out in 88. 88. 88. 88. It but it, it became popular yeah. became popular. So I would have been 11 or 12. Okay. And I was, you know, more on the like Motley Crue tip <laughs> yeah. at that point. <laughs> really? Dr. Feelgood album. Yeah. <laughs> Not tasteful. That was Not huge tasteful. right
0: at that moment. <laughs> right.
1: Distasteful, some might say. <laughs> For Skid Row record, that kind of stuff. And yeah. then there was this dude down the street um, that – uh, was into R.E.M. He was a few years older than me, but he also designed his own versions of Nintendo games on his, like, 1988 computer. Oh. And he was, like, really into R.E.M. So I remember just thinking R.E.M. was... Sounds like the
0: coolest guy in the world. I remember
1: thinking <laughs> R.E.M. was really square and lame. Only did I realize later that that song is, like, a funny pastiche of, like, 60s bubblegum. right. Yeah. It's a stuff. weird it's first a cool
0: song to hear yeah. f- for R.E.M. because it's so atypical I think it in was a way. lot of people's intro, maybe. Yeah. It was the last song I ever heard of them. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> took a break You uh, that. So done. I t- no, bounced. I, tur- I turned them off, and I never listened to them ever it's again. It's been 30 years. I plug my ears. Anytime we talk about any of the songs <laughs> on the show, I talk. I plug <laughs> my ears, and I don't listen. What about you, Ezra? When did you first
2: hear of R.E.M.? It's a little hard for me to remember because— by the time I was like 11, because I'm a little younger, they're just already so big. They're just part of the atmosphere, right? What year so were you born in? I was born in '84. Okay, I'm, I get that. I'm a, a roughly as old as R.E.M. When? Or their first album's '83. No, their first album, '80. They just had their
0: 39th anniversary, didn't they? The just 35th the of day? Reckoning, yeah. Thirty fifth of reckoning, and so it oh, would okay. been so, two, two or three years before that. No, so they
2: were around for a while. Yeah, I mean, so you know, so
0: by ninety one and out of time, you are seven and or I'm eight.
2: Seven, you know, you are checked out at seven. Yeah, you know? no, you are thi- <laughs> <you're> thinking about. <laughs> but by let's say by the time I am eleven or twelve, where maybe you are actually starting to be like, I like this, I don't like that. I mm-hmm. listen to radio. I feel like you know losing my religion was was kind of all over. Yeah, it was but, done if, by,
0: that was 91, and then you have like Everybody Hurts in ninety. There 90- are these massive songs, Three. so even
2: by 96, 97, those are all over the place. I can say that for sure, the first time that I roughly felt like, oh, this is a new, new-ish R.E.M. song and i like it was what's the frequency kenneth okay right.
0: that is 90
2: 94 95 s- 90- or 6 right 94 so um. let's let's say i even heard it a year later but i was like yeah. oh this is the uh, when i maybe had enough wherewithal to understand this is a a single from the important american rock band r e m called what's the frequency you're 11 kenneth. years old and i remember at the time i always had this thing where like I just knew deep down, as as much as I was interested in Nirvana and I, I thought they were cool, I just always knew that deep in my heart, like the the grungier side of grunge wasn't wasn't quite f- for me. Yeah. Right, and there was something about what's the frequency, Kenneth? Where I did feel like I understood that. The, it had the, grunge it trappings, ha- but
0: within a pop music parameter.
2: It, yeah. And they're like, because it still has that like early jangle hidden in it. Yeah. And there's something about it where I did have a feeling I was like, ah, yes, a grunge song for me. <laughs> ah, <laughs> what's, what's the frequency with the super super you, poppy chorus gentleman and stuff? Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. That, that? And I, I, just, I don't know. That one, like, really. Well,
0: it starts with me. the tremolo, by the way. Mm-hmm. Pronounced tremolo. We got the official word uh, from Mike Mills. Oh, tremolo. Tremolo. Right. Yes. So we got the official Instead word of on. Tremolo. Yeah. On the pronunciation of that. That was a big discussion with us for several episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts with that tremolo on, of and that's grunge right there. Right. Baby. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, finally. Grunge <laughs> for me. And so then, did you continue an appreciation of them? Did you go back and listen to their earlier stuff?
2: Yeah, then, then I went backwards and, and you know, truthfully, that, that, that era and, and earlier is kind of what I'm the most, familiar with and then another kind of key moment that I remember is like well you know it's like funny how you talk about like the dude making the Nintendo games who's in at that age and maybe always but especially at that age it's so interesting it makes such a big impression not just on what what you like but what other people that you know like yeah I had a
0: friend who was my cool friend Mm -hmm. who Loved. He, he had REM posters up in his room, and he had Smiths posters up in his room, and Aztec Camera. Those were the three, and so it was like those. Th- that's th- camera. Those three that's that camera. became like my big, hmm. big obsessions. To, to even to this day, like I have every song any of those people have put out. And the, there's always such interesting,
2: like the Smiths and REM. They always mm-hmm. seem like kindred. Yes, I mean, no, they yeah, do. The like Peter
0: experience. Buck has very. Uh, for for those first few records, they were compared a lot mm-hmm. because of his guitar sound it was yeah. very similar to Johnny Mars in a way.
2: Yeah, and an interesting relationship between the guitarist and the the singer, and how like mm-hmm. they both the lyrics and the guitar sound are both so unique. But I remember uh, there was a, a girl named Jessica that I grew up with, and that was like the same way that made such a big impact on me. And like I don't know what is like this the, Jessica Lang. It was Jessica Lang. Wow. We yeah, went to high school together, actually. Incredible. Legendary American horror actress. story. <laughs> but it made, it made such a big she impression. She's a late me, bloomer. Like, that, <laughs> how like to that that very specific maybe this is true nationwide. I always think of it as an East Coast thing, but that idea that there was a type of jockey preppy guy who liked the Grateful Dead in the 90s was so interesting to me. I I like I was just kind of like, wow, so that guy, that's like that cool guy with long hair who plays soccer and he wears North Face, and he likes the Grateful Dead. Okay, that's, yeah. that was in, that's like the things where you're like, but he's not that, he, I don't really hear him talking about, you know, uh, the Beatles that much. Yeah. They're both bands from the 60s, but the Grateful Dead. But Dead's he's, yeah, nearly, only,
0: but it, it, yeah, it's that whole, like, I had a friend like that, the long hair, played soccer, Fish. Right. Like, turned up Fish really loud in the car. Yeah. Because was he, like- was, he was probably going and, Going and
2: seeing dead shows all the time. Yeah, right. probably. And also then like, <laughs> and he also like he also really likes like uh, a tribe called Quest. Just and you're like right. kind of you're, you're like
0: just, oh you're what what are yeah, yeah what exactly. are the common things? Why would of that this? person's
2: taste be that interesting? So, so there's like Jessica who was who was like a cool I guess kind of like very all American girl, uh, Jersey girl, Mike. married to Sam Shepard for Mikey. a long time. <laughs> yeah, married to Sam <laughs> Shepard for a long time, and I remember that she. And so she and she and her friends, I remember that they, and they were kind of like the cool girls in our, our grade. And I remember that they had like a mixtape that sometimes at like various events they, they would play. And it was always interesting to me that two songs that they would play a lot were uh, Rosalita by Bruce Springsteen, and that's some Mm. real Jersey shit because in New Jersey, that's a hit song. Yeah, oh yeah, that's number one. In New Jersey, that song's as big as Born in the U.S. Probably bigger. Yeah, oh yeah, that's crazy. So Because Rosalita, and for people who don't know, that that's was that was out, that's like on his second second album, album so yeah. before yeah, yeah. he was actually and famous. it's a, like yeah. a 10 minute song
0: and it's this long song It yeah, yeah this and people go fucking nuts for it <laughs> when he yeah. likes it
2: so yeah. i love that, that that's like a true regional hit right and you know for a bruce head it's a hit but obviously new jersey right. is something special so i was like I was no like, but yeah nationally i was, didn't like, do I was anything. like oh we're, we're in eighth grade and i was like and you guys love rosalita it was just like a moment where i was kind of like putting something together And then they also always – they love Night Swimming, and I didn't know that song. And I was like, oh, that's cool, because it's like these um, weren't people who – they weren't like the archetype that we probably all were a little better identify with of like the nerdy dude who's like super into music. These are just like people with good who t- like songs. They're just like cool people with good yeah. taste. They're not like oh
0: these two songs don't belong together because the guitar sound is is too different or the right. instrumentation.
2: They're just like I like songs that make me feel good, and they put and, both of those on there. And yeah, and again, like yeah. I, so that was always interesting to me, where I was kind of like oh yeah, it's. And, and of course, you know it's real taste when they're not like big singles, right? Yeah. Like ne- r- neither one of those songs, or maybe when I swim was a single, but it wasn't like Everybody Hurts, where like was, everyone
0: in the world knew what it
2: was. Yeah, and I remember they also liked Hanson. Because that was big when we oh, were right. young, yeah, yeah. But there's something cool song. about that combo where I, it actually made me realize, like, oh, Hanson's actually kind of cool too, because it's very oh, yeah.
0: produced by the Dust Brothers, yeah. And that it, song's
2: incredible. And mm-hmm. the the boys of my age were there's It was so easy to to be yeah, like mean fuck about them. Hanson, it's yeah, like, because
0: they're young and they're and yeah. It, yeah.
2: And it seemed like oh, that's what the girls like. So we yeah. you know, just like real <laughs> right. toxic middle school <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> misogyny. Yeah. But the so there was something about them like liking night swimming where I was kind of like. Oh, yeah, like, that was just always, like, so that song made a big impression to me, and I realized, like, oh, yeah, because R.E.M. is this cool band with kind of impressionistic lyrics and stuff, and that this is this kind of, like, beautiful, vibey song that is about something very, I mean, compared to, like, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Night Swimming, it's, the title is what it's about. Right. Night Swimming deserves it's Like, stripping off
0: all your clothes and... Jumping in. Just <laughs> so, taking yeah. a look at the other person's bod.
2: So there's just something about that song and the and the fact that the, the this group of people who clearly I admired, you know, probably had a crush on too, were into that song. Where it, I don't know. It's like it made me think about REM a little differently. And I think in some ways, like there's only a handful of bands that from that era that provide a model for like uh mainstream success and truly sometimes abstract, out-to-lunch impressionistic lyrics. You know, there's, like, Radiohead, R.E.M.
0: Yeah, trying to think of... Nirvana.
2: Nirvana. Yeah. But I'm Mm -hmm. saying there's only a handful of bands that you kind of realize, like, oh, you know, it's, like... This is the type of artist. These are people who are not compromising
0: and they're doing their own thing and being impressionistic. And yet it's somehow achieving mainstream success. Yeah,
2: yeah it's like a cool mi- middle part of the of the Venn diagram. And I just right. think those are like those early realizations you have when you're dipping into music. And you're like, well, I like this weird stuff. And how come nobody else likes this? And, and you know, I respect this super mainstream stuff. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that there's something cool about that place where they lived. Jake mm-hmm.
0: was saying before we started that, that how, he'd, be, he'd been to New York. Yeah, that's and right. that's when we first heard of him talking about New York so we just figured why not save this for the show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, you were saying how weird it is that REM's music was like the popular music in the, you know, big hit music at the yeah. time because it sounds stranger now than it, than it did cerebral. at the time. Oh. Yeah, it it's cerebral. there was a weird time in 90... Through '93, where suddenly the most popular music in the world was this outsider Nirvana, REM mm-hmm. yeah. type music. That, like who? And and I, my theory is, is that music was so bad in '88 through '90 or so. Like did like
1: Doctor Feelgood.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I, they're okay. Yeah. But I mean, I guess like every every alternative band. Like, take Elvis Costello, Echo and the Bunnymen, all, you know, all these people. Would you say any of their best records are the ones from the late 80s? No, because yeah. the the certain instrumentation that was being used and the keyboard sounds that were in vogue and over, all, yeah. all over every single song were so prevalent. I just think that people were bored those years. And they were just like, everything was artificial. Everything was like, you know, new shoes, I can't wait. You know, everything was dance music or it was like shitty Hair records. Metal. Or, or hair metal. So people were ready for just like something that was a little authentic or something. So suddenly these people come out, it just strikes an authentic chord.
1: That's how I ended up going back to REM after my initial displeasure with uh, Stand mm-hmm. was that all my favorite 90s bands, Nirvana, Pavement, Guided by Voices, they all loved right. REM. And I didn't know about the early 80s records at all. Have you guys covered the, the Pavement song, The Unforeseen yes, Power? Yes, yeah, okay, we did talk about that, yeah. I'm sure you have.
0: Was that your – everyone needs sort of an entree into the world of an artist in a way. Like I was thinking about this today because I I was a person who like Dylan was something that I was not interested in. When mm. My friends would go like, you should get into Dylan. I'm like, eh, no, thank you. And then someone on a mixtape sent to me sent me the original New York version of You're a Big Girl Now from uh, Blood on the Tracks. And I I found it to be, like, so beautiful that I was like, oh, maybe I should get into Dylan. And then I, like, went backwards. And that happened to me with uh, – Graham Nash the other day when I saw uh, the, during Escape from Danamora, they used a Graham Nash song oh, yeah. at the very end and it was one of the best songs I'd ever heard and I'm like maybe I should get into Crosby, Stills, and Nash so I went back and did a big deep dive was that was it like
1: that with you with R.E.M. where, where suddenly yeah. my memory pavement, serves it, what, was the it was the song, pavement song which was on the No Alternative compilation yeah. and I was like but this, but this was after uh, Automatic for the People which, sure. Yeah, see like like uh the so, singles off that, like Drive and Everybody Hurts, I was like, I don't get this. Right. Like, when what? I was fifteen. When I was fifteen, I didn't I didn't dig it. Right. But the, yeah, so it was Neither the pavement I. song yeah. that was like Oh, so people respect them and it made you yeah. do an Yeah. Flashback to nineteen eighty three. So
0: mm-hmm. you went back to the your super early stuff. I bought Murmur.
1: Yeah, yeah. Loved right. it. And you great. loved it. And Oh this- yeah, Murmur's
0: great, right? And so, had you been out of hair metal at this point, and you were now into pavement and yeah. things like that?
1: When, I was at the perfect age when Nirvana hit September of '91. I would have been 14. Right. That's, that seems like the perfect age. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. And I was just like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Right.
0: And so, so, so from you,
1: there, it was pretty quick. So you
0: were into grunge for a while because grunge really only was like a two, three-year thing,
1: pretty much. Yeah. Um, Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Yeah. Not into SDP. Okay. Although now, now I'm in. Now I'm I love them now. In fact, Dick Picks might do a version of plush.
2: Whoa. We've been in, playing in the style of the Dead. Yes, grateful We've dip. been po- playing around
1: <laughs> with this idea of doing weird like Peter Gabriel songs. Interesting. Whatever songs scene. Where's Dick Picks playing? In I gotta see guys. Um, we're playing May 9th at the Old Town pub in Pasadena. Will, uh, that's in the past at this point. We're like, not coming out until oh, like like, jammed. No, wait, wait it's like today. In yeah. the, oh that's the idea. Cool. Yeah. Uh, May 9th um, we're playing oh yeah with- we might come out May 8th <laughs> tomorrow so tomorrow oh, yeah. okay we're big gig tomorrow night in Pasadena guys. you said yeah the Old Town where? Pub Also, also the Old uh, Town Pub it's in Downtown
2: Pass I, I, think, I think I know g- where that place is it's in an
1: alley it's it, a weird little yeah. bar I've
2: seen some great shows we gotta come to this they're, they're also opening for us at the Hollywood Bowl right? that is true
1: really awesome. in
2: uh, October
0: Amazing! That's it, a, that's too scary of a month. I don't like to go outside. And we're doing. <laughs> have you show ever been with you outside in, in, Oc- in October? Oh, and they're
2: playing Father's Day with us in Chicago. That's gonna oh, be great. We yeah, have this really big Chicago show, and because you did Father's Day in Ohio, is that that was kind of like our kickoff? Because to kind of get the live band back a little bit, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. And then it just oh. coincidence, and now. Father of the Bride, it makes a lot of sense. All right, where do I want to see you? At the tiny club in the middle of Pasadena,
1: which takes about a half hour to get to. Come out to the Old Town Pub, dude. That show's yeah. going to be sick. That's going to
2: be a good vibe. Okay. You know, I'd have thought recently for, this is a weird one, because Jake told me this idea a while ago that they were going to do cover songs kind of in the style of the Dead, and the Dead did so many covers. Are oh, you yeah. doing yeah.
0: Dead songs
1: at the, at the Hollywood Bowl? Oh yeah, we're doing. We
2: are <laughs> opening the they, Hollywood Bowl. They've opened for us many times, and we did one show at the, at, at the Novo downtown. Right, right. And, that was fun. And I love that you guys kicked it off with a ten minute bird song. Oh yeah, uh, that's great. <laughs> Which song? And, uh, it's a bird song. It's a, it's like oh a, oh, a, a, it's you know, not a birds. So I thought. Oh no, a sorry, Ten minutes oh, a, of bird tweeting. The Jerry Garcia song. No, birds, <laughs> yeah, bird birds yeah. But I, I had a, yeah. when you told me about this idea of songs you could cover, this one's really out of the box. Okay, but I was just like. I'm often noodling on guitar when watching TV, and uh, Prince 1999 video came out, and I thought you could do almost like that uh, in that late '70s, early '80s, like dead disco funk version. Oh of yeah, 1990, almost in the style of like "Feel Like a Stranger." Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: I could see Jerry having like loved Prince. Yeah, I, I wonder if like, he did. Weird, not dead, but maybe Jerry Garcia band. Yeah, doing covers of Prince. You know, he
2: used to do uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire "Shining Star." Right. I wonder if, yeah, if, did Prince he like F- he liked The F- Grateful F- Dead. Probably because not.
0: well, I don't know. You, you, that's the thing. He was so mysterious. Like suddenly, you know, on Emancipation, he puts out a cover of uh Joan Osborne's One of Us, you know what mm. I mean? Like he, he right. liked yeah, shit. Maybe. Like, you he know, wrote, and then and that was, he that was when he was like at peak Jesus. This, wasn't it? Sort of yeah, Jehovah's Witnessy a little bit. But but then you know he would do things like you know, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame jam, you know, go up and tear it up with did, the yeah. most incredible guitar solo of while wow, my guitar gently weeps. Yeah. You know? right. like Maybe he, even
2: just on some guitarist shit, he might He have.
0: might have liked The Grateful Dead. Wait, I don't did, know. Does
2: REM like The Grateful Dead? I don't know. We didn't I ask think, Mike Mills. I don't
0: know. Yeah. We I can't have. tell. Do I like The Grateful Dead? We'll talk about it on <laughs> yeah. your show. Yeah. <laughs> um But so 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 now where do they stand in in, in the pantheon of artists for you guys. REM we're
2: talking. Yes. Hi. Yeah, no, I, I don't I, know. I really I really like REM. And also you know, I I've often looked at the ultimately it turned out like it's it's hard to u- use as a model, but there was, there bec- there's so few bands you can even look to when you're a band now. Because like the era for rock music was so different, but I've often like looked at REM's discography as a as a source of inspiration. Because obviously I like the music, but I'm also I've always just interested in what came when. Mm-hmm. And so there is something cool about that time period when you know the the out of time automatic for the people time period where it's kind of like, of course you know now I'm I'm in my 30s, they're probably younger. But when you're in your 30s and you've been around for I'm only 28 years, years. so it's I'm the like, oldest guy here I think I know. I'm seven so <laughs> <so. laughs> but
0: the
2: there's something <laughs> You're a little boy Adam. And it's probably the you same You need
0: a spanking young man <laughs> as well.
2: <laughs> it's probably the same reason that I've always been so obsessed with the kind of like the river through Tunnel of Love era too is that there you get so excited when you see people have cr- mid-career creative peaks. It's almost as simple yeah. as that. It's because you're, the, the trend is often that you have some early ideas and that gives you some gas in the tank and you run out some people run out of the first album and other right. people can get, base, get to three with these early ideas and you need new any anybody who has more than, like we talked about any bum can make three, three classic albums <laughs> but, <laughs> but after, after three you realize that any artist get past to, into four, five, six, whatever you need a new set of ideas and You know, hopefully they're not like drastically different, but just something new to get you excited about music or excited about songwriting. And there is something about those albums in particular that I found I've often like come back to over the past uh, four or five years. And there's also one time too when um, a music journalist, it's probably lame to say this, but a music journalist described us as being the REM to Arcade Fire's U2. And mm. I'm just like, yeah. I'm obsessed with, <coughs> wow. I'm a, I think, and of course, meaning they, that me, yeah. I don't know what they meant by it. And okay. I, I know to even remotely be compared to REM, it's it's like way too high praise, but I just like, I'm obsessed with like models. So there's like something that somebody said that it just like got in my head where I, I just thought, that. I was just kind of like, well, what I was like, well, what does that mean? What is it about REM that was different than you two? And um, in, in, if, and again, I, I hate comparing. Like ever using these like amazing bands, I'm almost just like, okay, how do you suck out the just like the most boring part? What does it mean? What's different about them? What is? And there was something about that that really just got me saying like, yeah, what? Well, what is it about REM that maybe this person saw like some kinship, and that was just like right. interesting to me. Yeah. They
0: were contemporaries. They were equally famous for a bit, but it almost feels like you two pursued fame a little more. And and wanted to be bigger than they were. Broader. Where REM their wanted, to, wanted to be, their
2: yeah. anthems
0: were broader. They're for everyone, yeah. and there's and they no one that doesn't get. But, what but I think saying. they pursued that. You know what yes. I mean? Like I think I think that they once they hit a certain level of record that they could no longer go backwards and not do those anthems. You know because yeah. that's what is you know brought them such huge fame. So I don't know what that how that relates to. The metaphor of you guys to Arcade Fire is he trying to say that like you guys have your your contemporaries, but and by the way, it could be a she. Well, one thing I don't know. One I, I don't for, mean to. Yeah, g- I actually
2: don't remember the one one thing. I may not have even read it myself. Somebody, the doctor's a woman. I, I think with it's, my, it's, Yeah, you guys <laughs> are mother. Um, like a little weirder. Well, that's. I think that's also, and I think maybe it's. It's Arcade Fire has so many great songs, and they true like emotional anthemic and. Anth- Anthemic anthems. That was a deep thought. <laughs> they for have me. songy but songs. They have songy songs. They have anthemic anthems. We got more songy songs. <laughs> but I think, um, I think you know what it is that I, I kind of took away from it that it was almost like comforting is that there is just to realize that uh, some bands their sound and and the, their approach to songwriting is just kind of built for the the big time. And other bands like us, like the first three albums, like, wow, we got kind of bigger than I I thought we would have. But then that's the funny thing. And and I'm, I'm, you know, again, this this certainly anybody can relate to this in a career. You, whatever, when you get a little bigger than you thought you'd be, you have these moments where you're incredibly grateful and thankful, where you're like, we were, it's so bizarre that we got here.
0: Do you have imposter syndrome as well a little bit?
2: Well, no, it's almost the opposite of imposter syndrome. That probably doesn't say a good thing about me. Where you're like, of course they fucking like this shit. No, that's the danger. People talk so much about imposter syndrome, but then there's this other thing that happens where, where once you get to a certain level, that becomes your reality. And then you, you know, it's human, I think. Then you just adjust your expectations accordingly. And you forget about the fact that... It's insane that what you do was not b- made for the built for the big time. Mm-hmm. We don't write big anthemic songs that you could ever imagine, like tens of thousands of people feeling emotional to. or even millions. Which some people write songs that millions. No, of it, people like. it's crazy. So I, I the
0: way <laughs> I or like, like a stadium of people chanting along. With. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Cape Cod. Like everyone yeah, exactly. singing the, at the same time. Like like what you hear like when you, you 2
2: plays one or whatever and everyone is you know yeah and, on the same page with and of course it. I'd, I'd like to write a song like that if I could but I guess when I'm, I guess there's you can you just write that rewrite that yeah make I d- two yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think I love <laughs> two we're two <laughs> it's still getting better um, but I guess there was something about that I'd never. Just to even see somebody like compare us to REM, just e- even in this very oblique way, I just thought like, oh yeah, maybe the thing about REM is that their moment of being the biggest band in the world wasn't. Whereas like you two, it's like you and I know this maybe isn't fair to you too, but looking back, it's like of course they were destined to be the biggest yes. band in the world. Whereas, uh, whereas REM, REM left something. And again, the good news is that it's 2019. The idea of uh, any band being the biggest anything in the world is fully off the table. Right. (laughs) Right. So us or Arcade Fire. (laughs) I would say,
1: too, that U2 and Arcade Fire are are sort of humorless. And a nicer way of saying that is that REM and Vampire Weekend can combine levity and humor with— Although uh, Bonobos, funny guy. Drew us a picture of a dick when he met us. Wow! <laughs> there's, there's, some, there's definitely some. Oh, that's humor getting in
2: framed the, by the way. A, oh, thank
0: you. I found it. Oh, good. I, I l- thought I had lost it for like a year. Oh no! And I didn't know. Is what, that every what time I asked you. you about it, your eyes shifted back and forth? I was forth. like, oh yeah, yeah. And you yeah, start yeah, sweating so I, much. I thought I had had lost. You found it though. <laughs> okay,
2: love it. <laughs> no, but I, look, I I think from Arcade Fire's first album, and I remember seeing them at Coachella. There is they they and that's something that they're amazing at, projecting these big feelings. and And I yeah. felt it. I've felt it. I've been in the crowd and felt it and and know the the emotion of their songs and the way they convey information. And actually, I would disagree. I'd say that they've had, I, I like when they get when they show their their humorous side.
0: Arcade <laughs> Fire they did a, a great Between Two Ferns episodes with us and they were lovely and
2: they uh, very funny people. Yeah, but, they're, but uh, when they came out out of the gate their their discography. No, yeah, out of the Come gate, on. Vampire Weekend came out being a little bit like people were like is this a joke? Right. <laughs> it seems like a joke. And Arcade Fire was like, no, very clearly, this is. We uh, want
0: everyone to sing all of our songs together and, and all they, the time. And they
2: talk. It took. But me, then
0: they had to dip into irony. Yeah, maybe everybody has yeah. to try. Like, yeah, the same actually, way that you two did with their pop album. Yes, they had to do. You know what?
2: That might that might be the the best way to put it. Is that right. I, I relate more to sincere the idea. to irony,
0: whereas you guys are like irony, irony to, to sincere. sincere. Yes, exactly,
2: <laughs> and that's why I can. Or levity yeah or levity from right, like like right. levity to more seriousness and I, I truly feel like as a songwriter and I, I don't look down on our early music at all It's just as important to me as later music but, I like it but thank you <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, on, it's all it's on all the streaming services by the way you oh can, cool you can still buy it is it on Apple Beats it's on Apple Beats huh. but don't I, have a subscription I also feel like Apple uh, Beats yeah I, I truly is it at Apple Beats there's something I like I've always related <laughs> yes the most, it is you know that's why okay now I figured it out thanks guys you helped me okay what I like about say a Bruce or an REM and, and or that I relate to a lot Is that their early music was oblique? Even Bruce Go Kart Mozart, he had like oh yeah, his first two records, expensive words and all the wild stuff. Yeah, and there is something that I relate to more as as a as a songwriter and just a human being about that. I didn't really like sort out how I feel about things like love and pain and suffering until I was like about this age. And there's something I relate to about the the so the the idea of like early REM to um. To mid period, every, everybody, yeah, everybody hurts, right? Or something, right? That that's a that's it's a like getting more
0: into the emotion and the realness of it. I mean, it's it's and when directness when he started making his lyrics actually you know decipherable in a way.
2: Yes, so that that's a journey that I relate to, and and truly, I, I, it's it's not a, a value judgment. I think people's lives actually just with the sequence of events in your life might be. Were you the person who had to deal with like? pain and suffering in a very straightforward way at a young age. And then you had to look for humor later. Like a or, Kurt Cobain. Right. Yeah. For instance. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's no value judgment. But yeah, I think that's why those discographies have always been ones that I just find myself when I'm like in the studio, just like I like the Wikipedia tab open. And it's sometimes as simple as li- literally just looking at the names of the albums in a row and just being like, hmm, mm. Yeah, because We Belong Together
0: <coughs> is like the most direct song you guys have ever made, maybe.
2: Yes, and I've been nervous that with some of the direct lines on the record that, and again, this is just the thing, you're never going to please everybody, that people are going to be like, oh, this is stupid. And I'll be like, well, yeah, it's it's straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's, it's
0: what you're into now. And hopefully you'll have a long career where it's like... You know, I was I was looking at uh, Dylan albums the other day because I was making like a five disc best of mm-hmm. <laughs> of his entire career, like wow, not nice, le- okay. not leaving a song, not leaving an album out. Like it, it had to include at least one song from each. Cool. Jesus, <laughs> but. You know, you look at all that and just, like, hopefully you'll have a super long career where it's like, you know what? I mean, you know, Blood on the Tracks, the aforementioned Blood on the Tracks was just, like, dealing with his pain right then. You know what I mean? And then he turns around and, like, finds Jesus, and that'll probably happen for you. I would love to I'd give I give you told, some literature I, about I Jesus before agent, you
2: leave. I told her book agent recently because he used to be really in the, in the Indiana Midwest Christian rock scene, and I was like, you think I should have a Christian phase? <laughs> he was kind of like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. You could be the most popular Christian band of all time. I I love those. I, I mean, I can't believe that people turn their back on him. Who yeah. yeah. Jesus? <laughs> Yeah. You're talking about the Jews right no, now? okay. Hold, the, on, no, hold on. No, I was, <laughs> was going to say, Jesus I was gonna say oh. the Romans, Pon- Pontius, Pontius Pilate. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> and Judas. Come oh, on. of course. Yeah. And um, he's number one no, with a bullet on say, people who
0: turn their back on you Jesus. Know, it's
2: funny. We were talking at the beginning about contemporary re- uh, writing about music. And I, right. I, I read something recently that's saying that the contemporary reaction to Dylan's Christian phase was people being like, some of his sense being outraged and yeah. shocked. And I'm just kind of like, hit, you're like, you're you're really surprised that, I understand maybe with the Jewish thing seemed like a bit that was surprising, but I'm like, but based on his lyrics, a guy who's solely, so clearly interested in history and religion yeah. and the grandiose turns of phrase that you find in the Bible, you're surprised that 15 years deep into his career, he really found deep meaning in that religious literary thing that that means getting into the bible and I was like it's not shocking come right. on right yeah and got to serve somebody that's like one of that's, that's a one of thing. it that's yeah. one of his
1: best yeah i mean and you it's know funky. that album but uh, he was so acerbic and ironic when he came out of the gates that's the f- pretty that's crazy. The part i don't like that he about he actually his... took that turn towards jesus yeah i mean yeah. if you look at him in the yeah. what's, what's the da pennebaker movie that when he don't yeah, back yeah. Yeah. don't look back I mean, yeah. he's such like a
0: but that, that's the part that, like, my— That's I was why the next level. I, I was thinking about this while I was making the best of it, is, is like, my least favorite genre of Bob Dylan song is the live performance where he's like telling jokes in a song, and he's like, eh, yeah, I went down the other day, and I did this thing," and and and, and then he sings it, and everyone oh, yeah, goes, like, "Ho ho ho ho!" And right? Everyone like, laughs like he's it from the Bob Don't Dylan. Don't look back. No, era but the, the, I know what you mean. Or, you a, know it, what I mean? The, where the songs I, I, like
2: like Bob Dylan's "Dream" and, yeah, and talking John Birch Paranoid Blues. Yeah, where he's like, like telling a
0: story, and it's all designed for pe- for these people in the '60s to be like, uh, "Oh, Bob, you're what a wit!" Even though they've heard this song before, they're laughing right. at it. And like coffee shop crowd. Ugh, I hate those types of songs. Anyway,
2: but no, his, his, a lot of his best songs. I mean, it's in the But remote. I know what you
0: mean. He was acerbic and like oh, yeah. did that kind of stuff, was almost like doing comedy in a way. Did you put a song from the Christmas album on your. That is uh, the place. I, I do have a. Uh, when I make compilations, I have a No Christmas song. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, the true. only exception. Is in my two disc George Michael best of. You got to put Last Christmas in. Oh yeah, sure. Great because that's oh, yeah, that's yeah,
1: yeah. doesn't is not so Christmassy. Are cool. these playlists available on a streaming surface? They are only available
0: on my computer, and my wife doesn't care about them. And, oh, you know what we can uh,
2: do. We we could do a uh, because we do our playlists mostly. Jake Jake's done Jake's Guide to New Age. Jake's tasteful palette of the seventies playlist. Yeah, because you're coming on Time Crisis, we could do Scott's. Yeah, five
0: discs. Bob Dylan. I would love to provide time, you the time. Uh, great Jesus presents. Scott presents Bob Dylan playlist. I only you, on Apple Music. I listened to it all the way through this weekend. It's it's a winner. How long does it take to listen to the whole thing? Like one one well, song from every album. It's a it's five discs, so it would be did you put six them hours. On, did six you put hours them on discs. No, but I <laughs> the when I make when I make compilations, I want to make sure that they can go on discs. That's important wow. when you're making a compilation mm. is to is to see how it would be packaged in a record store even though it never will. Right. So anyway, but yeah. do you ever e- even burn them onto discs? Well, I used to, but yeah. now you don't have to, but I yeah. that's still enjoyable to me to do like when I put together one of my other recent projects was doing solo Beatles. You know that part in uh, boyhood the oh, yeah. uh, Richard Blankley oh, yeah, Blackberries. Right. So that had oh, been yeah. my theory for years before that. Yeah. And when I saw that I was like, fuck, it's already it's been put out already. Oh, but, I'd already done it. When boyhood came right. out. Right. But now you, i You've done it too? Yeah. Oh, really? totally. So I, I've taken all of the post Beatles solo records yeah. and organize them into, you know, alternating people singing on them and turn them into uh, period-specific four-disc compilations. Do you only
2: give George two songs per? No,
0: I, d- I put every song from every oh, record. I love that. It's Wait, period-specific. every song from every, every? I don't do a
2: best of. I do so every if, song from so every, so every record. So all the songs have to be from like 70 to 73? Yes, so that. it's
0: 69 through 73, 74 through, you know, it's like very so specific. you even put the shitty songs from the yeah. solo record? and it recontextualizes them in such a way where you're not zoning out anymore because you're hearing Ten George Harrison songs. Instead, you're hearing like the Beatles. Wait, did like, you did you make a post John eighties one? That okay. So I went all the way up through because you know his posthumous record in eighty two or whatever. Uh, I went all the way up through there, and then I did a two disc post John one mm-hmm. of just best of. I did. Okay. I did the. The out the what the next Beatles album would have been using mm. songs only from each mm. of their first or second solo well, the, records. The, uh, the trouble with it is, is, those first two, the McCartney and Lennon first records are so dodgy because they were both like tired of making music, sort of like how you were after the no, first three Vampire you Records. You think they're dodgy? No, those records Wait, are like, great, like, like McCartney and Plastic Ono Band. Yeah, McCartney in, in particular is like barri- loose. it's barely a record. But it has you know maybe I mean? I'm amazed and, like it has. But some it incredible. only has. But you know it has maybe I'm amazed, which is a great pop song and I think went to number one. But then everything else is just like kind of goofing around. So it's a little. There's ha- some other great songs. Though. It's like, a little hard to listen to in sequence, I think. But so it doesn't like step. Stat- Meanwhile, you have George Harrison putting out. You know, a, a, a mass. Yeah, impact. he's the and one who had been writing those songs. I'm just you. saying. I'm just saying that that that's the interesting part about making these compilations is comparing yeah. all things must pass songs, which are like incredible, yeah. and then segueing into something off McCartney, which is like a little more goof around. But if loose. you take just the best songs from each of their first couple, but of that solo wasn't albums. those weren't the parameters. You no, uh, in no, Boyhood, so it's, so
2: it's it's not right. using all the songs. No, but you're you're going a step further, and you're imagining. Also just what was happening in the studio and you're it's almost like Roger Waters kind of growing right. to become the leader of Pink Floyd you're like right. well by the early 70s John and Paul were a little bit burnt out and checked out, and George really George stepped he up took to the plate. Over. George started having five, six songs per album, and he really became the yeah. de facto leader of the Beatles. <laughs> he stepped up to the plate and that crack of the bat. Um, <laughs> you
0: should, like, should we give look? These guys time for their show because we're like running we're out of time. time. Yeah, we originally were going to okay, play. Let's get we were going to play songs from uh, from your new record, but we've talked about it so yeah, much, and it it's out. it's out now. It's, it's so out. good. Oh, it's great. great. So thank we're going to wrap up this show, and then we're going to record your show. It's so everyone should listen to your show after this. You guys have been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed. Uh, uh, it's just fun to talk to fellow music nerds about stuff. Yeah, That's what the that show me. is all thanks about. For doing this, no, you guys. Thank you. Thank um, you. Um, oh, and
2: we got to sh- we got to shout out. The guy. Oh, who- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out well, the, the person who this, suggested all. May, of this. Perhaps this would have happened one way or another. Who's Who's to say? Who's to say? The but world? the person who first suggested this yeah. was a a guy who listens uh, both to your show and ours, named Grayson Hall. Grayson and, Hall. And Grayson Hall emailed. Uh, time Crisis and Jake personally, personally to really yeah. make sure that we knew. And he said, "Guys, he listed all the connections that we have, such yeah. as uh, the fact that uh, Step Brothers is a very important moment in Vampire Weekend right. history, and of course, very iconic performance from you." And now to and, me, and, <laughs> and what, <laughs> wait, and, well, Rashid has been on my show. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't have
2: I don't have the email open right now. All but, right, this this is Grayson Hall's Some of the things he listed, but. Uh, he just saw he saw a kinship, and he said we should do a crossover episode. So, Grayson, we're doing you one better. We're doing a crossover subway series. Okay? That's right. So, thank yeah. you, Grayson, for— This is the Battle of the Bay. We would have been too shy to hit you guys up and say, hey, can we do something? So, Grayson, sure. he he created this— <laughs> Thank, uh, you, for us, so thank, thank you,
0: Grayson. Thank you, Grayson. It sounds like you have your name was made up by Aaron Sorkin. Well, <laughs> he also has the last names of two DC superheroes, Dick Grayson the Robin and Carter Hall the Hawkman. It's definitely Oh, Fred. maybe it is made up. It, it might be a pseudonym. <laughs> All right, guys, this is going to be it for us. Uh, we uh, are going to take you out on uh, the song that got you into R.E.M., Ezra. This is Night Swimming. Oh. And uh, we'll see you next time. And until then, we hope that you have found what you are looking for... Bye. <laughs>